Good afternoon everyone, how are you guys doing? What's going on? Welcome to episode 10 of Merchants of Novigrad, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything Gwent. Today with me are my two co-hosts, Thea Beastie for the first time in this row, and also my dear friend and good man, Lionheart. And as you guys can see, today we have a very special guest, the official tournament host and one of the community's favorite content creators, Ash Explorers. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Hello, good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> and a few words to our viewers. Guys, um, if you have any questions, my dear friend Lionheart has been charged with the task of collecting the more interesting ones and we'll try to answer them as we go. Also, if you want to stay in touch off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. And if YouTube is the platform where you would rather watch this episode, it's going to be uploaded onto our YouTube channel in a couple of hours. So without further ado, guys, what have you been up to? How are you all doing? Pretty good, to be honest. Uh, I certainly can't complain. It's uh, been quite busy for me recently, just preparing for everything for not being on stream for a little while. Um, but yeah, all good. Same here. Um, and you're almost a pro rank, aren't you, Lionheart? Yes, almost. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it's going well here too, Weisenberg. Very well. Yeah, good here too. Um, I've just finished moving house, pretty much. Uh, so I'm not in my normal stream setup right now. I've had to plug myself in right next to the router because I haven't got my whole uh, stream together yet. So I'm in a state of flux, but things are generally pretty good. And how is the new place? Because that came as a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep everybody on their toes in my community. Um, yeah, I move you know, fairly frequently just for, for work and things like that. So um means I constantly have to be taking down and putting back up my stream setup, which is a royal pain. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty standard in my life. Uh, but I am looking forward to the day when I can have a very nice, solid stream setup and a consistent schedule. That's the dream. <laughs> One yeah, day. Th that's the dream I'm having as well. When I was at uni, I moved, I think, five or six times in six years. <sighs> so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the problem. And Lionheart, you said something about you being away for a while. I will be. Uh, as you can see, I've moved. Uh, I'm in a different room, a different part of my house now. Um, I'm having surgery, as some of you know. And in six days, I will be having knee surgery. So that will keep me occupied in recovery initially. Um, I'll be out of the world for a couple of weeks. And then, unfortunately for you guys, I'll be streaming a lot more regularly because I will have nothing else to do. <laughs> So you will have a lot more of me uh, once I recover, hopefully. So yeah, it should be fine. I would say I'm prepared. I'm lying. Not even close. I have so much left to do. It's ridiculous the things you don't even think about, but it will be fine. It will be fine. You've waited for this surgery quite long, right? Yeah, four years now, um, taken to convince firstly myself and then the doctors that it needed doing um, the joys. But uh, it's definitely necessary. It's either that or a new knee entirely, which I do not want, um, as while I am clearly old, I am not that old. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, hopefully this will fix the issue and I will be fine. I have made the silly decision of booking TwitchCon three months after my surgery when I probably won't be able to walk. So taking volunteers for anyone wishing to push me in a wheelchair, please apply below in the chat. <laughs> That's a bit risky with all the canals around there. You're very trusting. <laughs> it depends on who's pushing me. <laughs> Um, Lionheart, you said on your one stream, uh, for those who don't know, that your boss actually offered you a raise if you 
postpone the surgery for a couple of years <laughs> yes. and you declined I did indeed yes I uh I underplay the pain that the leg causes and I sort of I was until very recently I was convincing myself that I was exercising so that I didn't need the surgery in reality that was that was never the case so it's um yeah while it was a a very very nice offer in terms of my career it would be the wrong one my health is considerably more important so I politely and firmly declined I think you made the correct decision I think we all think you did just imagine okay. taking up on that offer. I don't need a knee. I don't need a leg. I don't need a knee. I'm just going to use that money to buy me a bionic one. <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought. I'm just going to upgrade. I'm just going to be like half cyborg. It's fine. And speaking of, of knees and being um, overall in good shape, Thea, I think the rumor is you could be away for a while as well. Yes. Um. I have recently... If you don't know what it is, it's a reality series where a couple of contestants are dropped on an island, they have to build shelters, survive, and you basically vote each other off every day uh, if you lose challenges. Um, so the one who survives the longest wins a million rand. That's about uh, $900,000. No, $90,000. Sorry, there you go. Um, so I heard that I am in for the final round of casting, meaning I actually stand a pretty good chance of going in a month's time which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, you cut out for a moment, so uh, let us repeat. It's about Survivor South Africa, a reality show that Thea just described. And guys, I think we lost Ash. Ooh, she said one second. She did. I didn't hear anything. And I think Lionheart is muted as well. I'm very sorry about that. Um, I had a dog duties. He was trying to get out of the, the room. I had to open the door for him. Um, yeah, because I'm not in my usual place. We've got... Uh, my dog, Artie, who sometimes is featured on my streams, he's sort of running around wondering what on earth I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, I just had to let him out the door. Uh, Lionheart, you are muted, my friend. Accident. I'm back. So we have no idea what you were talking. Probably something about your love for Ash and Tia and stuff like that. We already know what this is about. I'm going to mute again. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, the rumor is... At least that's what I've heard in various channels. You are involved in a race of sorts. And by that I Wondered mean where that was going. Lionheart and Tia. What is going on there? What kind of race it is? Are there prices? Is there like a proper bet going on? Or... Well, we call you it, yeah. We call it a race, but it's more like a slaughter. Um, I see it as a charity event, really. Me being the charity <laughs> as I win <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, but basically, it's the first one who gets to pro, and the one nothing. So currently, it's if I lose, I have to buy a shoe plush toy, as I very much dislike shoes, and show him in my stream for a month. And Lionheart, if he wins, um, <laughs> teach my mom how to play Gwent on stream. Is that what the yeah? I think that's our current one. Yeah, we're we're going we're going to nice. drift bling up to your stream. That's what's um, happening. I'll Basically. tell you, BJ would be absolutely <laughs> thrilled if that happened. He's a huge <laughs> fan of your mum. I I'll tell her. Ah, <laughs> uh, very very wholesome. Uh, <laughs> speaking amazing. speaking of fans and the community, uh, Ash, you got back to cosplaying. Is that true? I've seen I've seen some pictures. <laughs> I've seen some Instagram stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sort of. Um, I 
I wanted to say I never really stopped, but I definitely had about a year long hiatus. Um, and then I'm not entirely sure what got me back into it. I think it was just I started playing Skyrim again on stream and that game just ignites, you know, my imagination. Um, so I decided to start working on an Ayla cosplay from Skyrim and I'm also working on a cyberpunk one as well. So although there was about a year long drought, um, that was partly due to the fact that I was moving house then and then also partly because I was just sort of lacking inspiration but then with cyberpunk around the corner well around another corner since the delay um and then getting back into Skyrim I sort of found the spark again oh yeah I can imagine a lot of people are waiting for the cyberpunk so I can I can see how this serves as a source of motivation to get back to cosplaying mm. and yeah you said around around another corner yes. are you guys disappointed did you guys expect no. it? No, not at all. I was, I, I'm stunned that we hadn't had one already, personally. I mean, I think it's, it's not. I don't find it disappointing because I, I kind of understand um, that it's going to be for the best. Uh, you know, in the long term, we'd all rather wait a little while longer and have a fantastic game, which we know that CD Projekt are capable of making. Um, so this could be, you know, another game of the decade, like The Witcher 3 was. And I think we should give them as much time as they need for that. Yeah, and I think The Witcher 3 actually allowed them to postpone Cyberpunk mm -hmm. because they did exactly the same thing with The Witcher 3. And... In the end, the final effect was just amazing. The game was lovely. People people are still amazed by how, how good the game is five years after the release. Four years. Yeah, it's going to be five years in May. Yeah. So I think, I think that that's... really allowed them to, to do that uh, same thing with Cyberpunk. I think that's one of the real benefits of them being able to self-publish because there are so many games that have been rushed through when you can tell they should have taken a couple more months. But that's one of the luxuries that they, they have as a company. It actually reminded me of The Witcher 3, uh, The Witcher 2, rather, The Witcher 2. It was the same problem. The investors and the publishers were just pushing CDPR to, to release the game, even if even when it was unfinished. And considering their financial situation at the time, they had no real choice. So, yeah, they are in a very good position right now. I've, I've been seeing Thea saying something, but I didn't hear anything. Yes, she's muted. Oh. Yeah, definitely muted. Yeah. We're back. I'm back. Sort of. There you go. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe you could explain what's going on with your internet connection and you'll be muted at times. Yes. Okay. So um, currently we live in the dark ages here in South Africa. And uh, apparently to get internet, we use underwater cables in the sea. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing. I'm uneducated, I guess. I thought we worked with satellites. Anyway, so apparently in some freak accident, two of the cables that connect South Africa with countries like England have been damaged. And now we do not have global internet like we used to. So I can watch streams in 160p. I can't stream at all. And at some point I couldn't play Gwent because I had no connection. So that's also why you'll see my quality is lacking a bit in this podcast. Nothing we can do about it. It's going to take about a month for both cables to be fixed. And... The ship is currently on the way to the first cable. Uh, it's it's called the um, Theason ship or something like that. It actually comes from Cape Town, which doesn't give me a lot of hope either. So, <laughs> no hope. 
Yeah, and I have absolutely no excuse. Uh, I live in London and I'm getting 0.5 meg. That's why I'm having to plug directly into the wall because anywhere else is not working at the moment. Um, so that's why I'm in a funny place. And I have no excuse. We don't, I wasn't any underwater cables I got cut here. <laughs> um, I mean, it happens. I, I used to have internet problems as well. When I moved to this place, and I was explaining that before the street, before the podcast, I used to do something really, really complicated, like tethering on my phone, connecting to a Wi-Fi, and then using that Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi to, to connect to my PC. That was just an absolute mess. Mm. And it yeah, I live like in this. Amsterdam, so there is really no excuse not to have internet in this place. Mm. And speaking of Amsterdam, TwitchCon EU, coming this year. Can't wait. Yeah, Lionheart already one. committed, <laughs> despite not knowing if he's going to be able to walk. It may have been a little bit um, naive of me. It's literally three months from the date of my surgery, so it may be a little silly. I'm definitely still going to be at least on crutches, um, and I've committed to go into a very large, crowded place with people who are just going to push past me. So this may have been very stupid, but I've always wanted to go to a TwitchCon. Uh, I know there's lots of people like Gwentwise who are planning on going or hoping to go. So I missed out on uh, Warsaw last time. I was devastated. So I sort of thought, no, I'm going to do it. It's fine. We're going to use this as an idea to push myself to be better and get there. I, I, I may have been a little bit ambitious, but it's fine. I'm going now. I've committed to it. That's it. The optimist you are. Just hire an electric scooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interestingly uh, lots of people have said that they're going to Amsterdam but they're not actually going to be going to the convention this year um I don't know if any uh, of you went last year I didn't but no. the first TwitchCon EU apparently wasn't fantastic I think that a lot of people are just m interested more in their respective communities for example mm. in our case that's going to be Gwent and the Witcher than in the mm. event itself they just use the event as an opportunity to meet up in, 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 a, in a nice place, nice city. Like, mm. Normally, I wouldn't go. I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't go. But this time, I have no excuse whatsoever. Because I live in this damn city. I cannot say, oh, guys, it's too far away. Just all the traveling. No, I'm not going to do it. It's, it's, it's literally half an hour away. Yeah, you have no excuse, basically. Yeah, and... and I know that Weevil, no our good friend, um, is organizing a community meetup. Uh, th there has been some discussion about uh, uh, searching for accommodation and, and what to do in the city. So uh, I really I really appreciate it because it's still four months away and the community is already doing some serious work um, getting it done. Mm -hmm. and, older, and older than TwitchCon... Have you guys been streaming? Because I saw Ash streaming a lot of different things. Just chatting, uh, Total War, uh, mm -hmm. Skyrim. Yeah, kind of everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I was kind of looking for Gwent on that list. Gwent is, <laughs> is coming. That's the thing. I've had so many games that I've been juggling at the moment. Um, obviously, starting a brand new Skyrim playthrough has instantly cut off about a year of my life that I'm going to have to dedicate to that. <laughs> but I'm having a really good time with that. So for me, I, I pretty much only streamed Gwent from essentially the beginning of my stream until just after midwinter. And then I started playing more variety. And I've kind of kept it that way because I realized that I um, I am a filthy casual when it comes to gaming, 100%. Like I, I really can appreciate people who are very, very good um, at Gwent. You know, I've had the, the privilege to meet some of the very best players in the game. And I think that they are mind blowing what they do. 
I just know I'm not built like that. <laughs> so it's um it's very nice for me to be able to um sort of play whatever takes my fancy at the time. And I think that um it's yeah, just sort of knowing yourself and understanding what you know makes you happy. For me, I have always been an RPG player and got into Gwent from The Witcher. So um, you know, kind of staying true to my gaming, I guess, my my you know, gaming uh, preferences. I, I like to jump around and play lots of different games, but Gwent will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, I can imagine. I was doing nice. that. I was doing that as well. Even even last year, I was playing the old Gothic games. Not all the people know oh, them. They, they they are really a classic. Uh, I was playing City Skylines too. I was playing a little bit of Gwent. I was playing The Witcher. Actually, me committing to Gwent was even a surprise for myself. I did not envision my stream going that way. Uh, the plan was okay. I'm gonna stream a little bit of Gwent, a little bit of The Witcher, and maybe some other games. And streaming Gwent was just so good. Like, I was getting so many people coming to my channel and enjoying the content. I just kept doing that, and I never went back to being a variety streamer. And speaking of streaming Gwent, Lionheart, you've been streaming a lot. How does it feel this month? Because we've been on a roller coaster of sorts the last three, four months. Very true, very true. It's a weird month to stream Gwent, I'm at, because we haven't had a patch, so we've had no official change to force a meta change, so it has to kind of adapt to itself, which mm. is fine, that's okay, because you naturally have meta counters who then become meta, so people counter the counter. It, but it's actually a really fun time to stream Gwent. I'm loving it. The, the spin-off of the lots of people playing Witcher 3 is inevitably some people pick up Gwent. I haven't streamed once in the last probably six, seven weeks where I haven't had at least a couple of people come into my channel and say, I am brand new to this, but I love the game on The Witcher 3. Help me. I'm like, oh my God, this is wonderful. More people seem to be watching. There are lots of new streamers popping up as well, playing Gwent, which I absolutely love. So it's a fun time. Not a lot of change in terms of the meta of the game, um, but that's okay. And I think we've got a patch coming up in a couple of weeks, which is okay. Well, we hope anyway. We thought that's uh, four weeks ago, but I think that will be the case. It's just enjoyable the community so much fun and you can feel that it's actually growing so yeah i've, I've had a great time with uh with gwen recently personally yeah i'm just looking at thea and she probably thinks oh i wish i could stream right now uh, yeah of course of course i mean last night i was watching and they i think it was a, a russian streamer who had like a thousand two hundred people watching and you had all the other streamers like bushy lionheart um who was it? There was someone else. Can't remember his name. Uh, I think Pumpkin it was, maybe... was probably streaming yesterday. Him too, yeah. And I mean, all those people had about 200 people watching. And you had the one 1,200 viewers. I mean, there were so many people with so many different communities. That was so large. And it wasn't like that a year ago. It really wasn't. So mm. I think we're going somewhere. I really think we are. Especially with The Witcher Season 2, where they're just going to play Gwent every single episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, a good That's call. the plan. Yeah, yeah, plus, yeah. guys, I'm not sure if you are aware, but uh, my dear friend Lionheart actually, on this wave of optimism, uh, reached out to Henry Cavill's agent and invited <laughs> him to the podcast. I think I the odds of him being here are, are slim to none, but you never know. I'm a persuasive guy. You never know. You never know. I, I put the feelers out there. One day, maybe Henry Cavill will turn up on the podcast. We can only hope, guys. I'm, I'm confident that if we managed to get Ash, we'll get Henry Cavill as well. Is gonna happen. Oh, that is hilarious. They I are, do appreciate that. That's very. They funny. are. They are about in the same league, I think. 
hilarious. Ash, um, you may be laughing, but Lionheart has a story about you and the role of Yennefer. That I, that I heard I recently. I, I have a question as well before we say that. I wanted to ask, Lionheart, I don't remember. Did you play Gwent before we ever met? Because we know, we've known each other for a couple of years now, having met in person at conventions around the UK. How did you get I, into Gwent? I I got into Gwent initially. Oh, this is going to make me very unpopular. Um, I did play Gwent before we first met, mm. but... I hated Gwent in The Witcher 3. I absolutely loathed it. I found it boring, repetitive, and full of Nilfgaard spies. So I didn't play it. And, oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I was a Hearthstone player. Oh, <gasps> God, I know. Of course, I know. Spies. Uh, yeah. And um, I, it might actually be your fault that I play Gwent, because I used to... I, I followed you when you were, um, like, doing other stuff, when you were variety or cosplay, or and you were playing Gwent. And I'm sure that's actually why I installed it. <laughs> all those years ago so I definitely should be getting a commission out of this <laughs> <laughs> I'll email Boudreaux after this and yeah have a word. definitely yeah, I think you should genuinely yeah I mean I've been playing since I was in the closed beta but I never loaded the game up because I thought nah do I really care about Gwent no it's just going to be spies everywhere and yeah so I don't tend to talk about the fact that I used to play Hearthstone so I'm really grateful that you brought that up it's really kind of you <laughs> But no, I am now firmly a Gwent fanboy, d deeply in love with Gwent. And yeah, so I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm loving it more than ever. And sorry, I interrupted your question. I just, I was actually, burning to actually ask Actually, we that. could follow up on that question of yours because it's not on our list of things we wanted to discuss, but it's a very good question. How did you guys get into Gwent? Because we were wondering, Ash, did you start cosplaying first and, and you know... Did you get to Gwent through the Yennefer cosplay and probably some work with CDPR, or did you uh, found did you find out about Gwent before that? Um, so similarly, I played. This is you know another uh, controversial topic. I played The Witcher Three and didn't like Gwent. I didn't play it at all. I played. Um, I think it's, it's is it Gauntro Dim. You play it like in the very first town you arrive at, and he teaches you the basics. And I thought this is awful i don't like this game at all so i skipped it for the rest of my first witcher 3 playthrough um and then i you know fell in love with the witcher 3 um as you mentioned i, I cosplayed yennefer and through that i worked with cd project at uh, gamescom back in 2016 uh, where i was cosplaying as yennefer and that was at the very first sort of public debut of gwent so I was working on the booth there with some other cosplayers um and we were yeah demoing the pre-closed beta version of the game so it was very very different to how it was today um and it was actually very funny because that's when I met people like Bouja who taught me all about Scoia'tael and made me fall in love with my favorite faction um nearly four years ago now so yeah I've been there since pretty much its inception but I got there you know not via my love of Gwent via my love of The Witcher 3. Mm. That's interesting because I'm not gonna lie, I did not like Gwent into Witcher 3 either. Okay, at so least not, not in my first that. playthrough, because the way I got into Gwent, I'm gonna go I'm gonna get back to it in a moment, but first I would like to hear uh Thea's story of how she got into Gwent. Um oddly enough, The Witcher 3 as well. Um but I loved Gwent in The Witcher 3 and I found myself literally playing The Witcher 3 every day traveling by a horse before I knew how to fast travel <laughs> from town to town, uh, just challenging every NPC I can and playing a round of Gwent. And there was this um, this massive quest where you had to play Gwent in this brothel. 
uh, can't remember the name. Uh, everyone loses that quest, and I did too. So I quickly logged a save game, started traveling the entire world for about a week or two, came back and won. <laughs> and that's that's what I did. It, although I haven't collected all the cards yet in The Witcher 3, I don't know uh, what I've missed. But yeah, I'm, that's where I got my love from Gwent, in The Witcher 3, and I still love Gwent a lot. So there you have it. Funnily yes. enough, I've actually now, um, in the past maybe two months, I've got Witcher 3 on Switch. So yeah. I'm actually playing Gwent in that now, and I am enjoying it. But in my first playthrough, I didn't. So that's, you know, so quite, quite funny. Yeah, that was essentially <laughs> my experience. Uh, when I first got to playing The Witcher 3, and obviously you get approached by, not by, not, not by counter or team, by a professor from Oxenford who is doing some research on, 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 on the war and he's just casually playing when with people in White Orchard. And I was like, I don't want any mini games. I just want to play The Witcher. I want to hear the story. I want to follow the quests. So I completely skipped Gwent in my first playthrough. And then um, I was actually in somebody's stream. Um, she's called Marion. She streamed PoE, Path of Exile. And she told me, you know what? There is a standalone Gwent. What? Yeah, there, there's a closed beta you can apply to um, to get admitted. So I just sent an email, and a couple of weeks later, I got admitted, and I was like, I have I know nothing about Gwent. I, I didn't play it in The Witcher 3. Then I started playing close, close beta, and then, same as Ash, started playing The Witcher 3 again, and surprise, surprise, I actually started enjoying Gwent in The Witcher 3 as well. Hmm. Maybe I should play another Witcher 3 playthrough then. I'll give it a go. I won't rule it out. You know what you should play? Thronebreaker. <laughs> I haven't finished Thronebreaker, actually. I was having a fantastic time with it. Um, I don't know why I haven't finished it. I have no excuse. I think everybody is still in Mahakam at the moment. Same. In icy cold winter somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking at Thea because there was a Thronebreaker playthrough that she, she did not stream in the Thronebreaker category on Twitch on just, just in Gwent <laughs> because there was no, no point in ever going to that category. No. It, it would be about as useless as uh, being a new streamer and going to the chat, uh, just chatting category. I mean, I'd have zero viewers. And I thought, all right, I'll stream it in the Gwent category and people who watch Gwent will watch Thronebreaker and they don't have to watch it. Uh, and it went so well now people are still requesting me to stream it. And I'm thinking if I do it now, will I do it in the right category or will I make a few <laughs> people angry? Uh, I'm thinking of the latter, but we'll see when the internet is back. I'll I'll definitely play it through though. It will be about a twelve hour stream, I think. I'm also in Mahakam, so we still got a lot of uh, quests to do. Yeah. Actually, there is a story about the um, Thronebreaker category on Twitch and this podcast. I think I told it once. Mm, and bas basically what we were doing together with baby Joseph Villa and Dennis, we wanted to see how the podcast would look like on stream. I did record it, but then we really wanted to see how it behaves on stream with Gwen being open in the background and stuff like that. So the idea was, okay, let's not stream it in the Gwen category because people are going to find out about it. Somebody's going to see it. So I was like, guys, let's stream it as Thronebreaker. Nobody saw it. Like the, fir <laughs> the first exactly. ever version oh. of this podcast appeared in the Thronebreaker category because we just knew oh. nobody's going to see it. Mm. Thronebreaker, such a good game as well. Oh, it's so good. I have one of my, um, you know, close kind of real life friends is actually an illustrator at CD Projekt, and he worked on all the sort of um, the cinematic sort of stuff in Thronebreaker. And oh, really, yeah, it was really sad to see the game sort of not take off. I think he's since moved teams uh, to Cyberpunk now, but um, it was it was kind of sad, you know, having that wish for it to do really really well. 
Um, but you know, the it is still a beautiful game regardless. But I understand why it didn't appeal to a mass audience. Yeah, it's very niche, isn't it? Yeah. But it's yeah. phenomenal. But I would say the story, the dialogue, and the music is up to all CDPR standards. Mm. It's mm. it's just lovely. Mm, very much so. Unfortunately, the gameplay, especially shortly after the release, was not something people were looking for. There was a lot of people saying the game is too easy or the game is too boring. So even though they did so many things right, the gameplay just really didn't get that level. Mm. I think it's because Gwent is the only sort of mechanic in it, really. Um, so it's only going to be a you know a portion of people who already like Gwent that like Thronebreaker. So it mm. really is super niche. I think right now people are only buying Thronebreaker to get the cards. Mm. So you can play in Gwent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Just just play Thronebreaker. You'll get enough cards, uh, more scraps than you get by buying an, a few kegs, you know? Uh, I think if you're a newbie, then Thronebreaker is a great way to start, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best way to collect cards, get to know the characters, and it doesn't affect your, your ranking as it's not really part of the mechanisms anymore. You know, you, you have different cards that do different things in Thronebreaker, which I found quite odd. I... I thought it would be um, the same as Gwent now, but I realized every patch, every season, Gwent changes significantly. So yeah, you'll you'll never be able to keep up with Gwent. I really like the the sort of the more puzzly parts of Thronebreaker because they reminded me of the old sort of seasonal challenges that we used to have in Gwent. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, they're, they're they're very cool. I enjoy those a lot. Actually, we start to get the events in Gwent again. Uh, we mm-hmm. had the Yule event, now we have the uh, Lunar New Year event. Um, are you guys going to play it? Are you guys going to uh, click all these envelopes to get more MTX? Because I yeah, think that was yes. that was a major source of complaints uh, the last time around. People were just tired of clicking the damn snowman. <laughs> I didn't mind it. I was happy to kill the snowman uh, regularly. It felt very random, but even though it's very, very touchy as a subject that I didn't get a single card back, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, I want there to be things in Gwent that are rare, that are uncommon, and even if it is MTX or luck based, you're I'm not okay worthy. I mean, <laughs> I remember no. when I start when I was streaming Gwent and that event was on. Um, I think it was in either the first or second snowman that I clicked and got the um, the avatar, the snowman guy, and everyone was just spamming streamer luck in chat. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, I can um, confirm I didn't get any of that, as usual. <laughs> yeah, people were really after after the card back. Yes. It was beautiful. Mm. Mm, agreed. I well, wonder if it would come back every every year. Or because someone said we can't have too many card backs and too many boards, otherwise it will just be too many, and people won't buy any more um, um, cosmetics because there will be too many free types of things you can win with seasonal modes. So that will be pretty interesting to see um, if they bring it back. I think right now they are doing it slightly differently because um, the last event you could only win them through RNG basically. You click on the snowman, either you get something or you don't. But now you can buy some MTX that are bound to the event as well. Mm. So if you want to spend money and if you want to get some MTX, you can. Which is yeah. which is a much better uh, way to go about it, I think. Mm. I prefer the structure of how you get the uh, envelopes as well. It's a guarantee. When you hit your daily crown, you get an envelope. It's not, I clicked the snowman in one stream, I got nine presents in a row. All scraps. It's a touchy <sighs> subject. 
But in other streams, I could click the snowman 40 times, kill 40 snowmen and get nothing. So at least there's sort of a up to four a day. The more you play, the better chance you've got. So far, I've got really lucky. I've got the dragon avatar and the title, and I've only had two envelopes. So clearly, I'm you know, starting high and then just scraps going forward, I'm sure. But I prefer this format. Yeah, but I think overall, this kind of events can spark the interest in Gwent again. Because things are slowly changing. And this is how we transition to the next segment, what's happening in Gwent. Did you guys see the new um, meta snapshot? Released by TLG only a couple of hours ago. No. Significantly less Rodea. Is that it? Yes, even they even got rid of Rodea in their main pincer list. Interesting. Ah. Uh, they do suspect it's going to get nuked, don't they? Uh, maybe, or maybe they... I would like to say they suspect that people figured out how to play around it, but you can't really play around Rodea. You can't. She's eight points, just like that. I mean, not much you can do about it unless we get something along the lines of stratagem removals, which I don't think will be a thing, or changing stratagems into artifacts and then being able to remove them. That might be helpful, I think. But have you been following the meta? Have, been, have you uh, seen any other changes? Because I know that some people, like me, just like to play whatever they, they feel like um, on a particular day instead of following the meta. But how about you guys? Are, are, are you playing, if you are playing, are you playing some interesting decks or are you just playing the meta decks to, to get the dailies? How, how is the relationship between you and Gwent looking like? Well, I've, um, I've become a triple siege friend. Uh, and I'm, there will be a few people in chat going crazy. I have been playing Triple Siege because it's hilarious. Uh, it's well hated. It's meme, but it also works sometimes. Um, it's actually really good fun. I know Weisenberg, you'll probably hate Triple Siege. Uh, imagine Caretaker plus Renew in a deck. <laughs> Sounds like hell. Uh, but it's good fun. Uh, it definitely is not meta. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to get to pro rank to catch up on our race. Um, I've hit rank one. I'm okay. We're nearly there. Uh, but I'm doing it with silly decks like um, Vivian in a poison deck to make Caretaker worth playing and things like that. Uh, but it feels like there's still a lot of Rodea Harmony, uh, Call of Harmony, that is. There's still lots of Pincer Maneuver and a lot of Nilfgaard Poison. And more Lockdown than anything else, which is just basically my deck counters your deck. Ha! In every sense. Play a card. Nope. Play a card. Nope. Leader. Ha <laughs> ha! Nope. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on at the moment, which normally I'd love, but for some reason I absolutely hate Lockdown Nilfgaard. I can't put my finger on why. Yeah, because you are playing Pinsir and your combo is getting wrecked. I mean, yeah, that probably doesn't help. But that, that I... is... Yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry, I once tried constructing my own Lockdown deck, and what I hated was how much provision costs you lose by getting that leader ability. It was just not worth it at all. So every time I play against Lockdown, unless I'm playing Triple Kikimor or, or uh, the Skellige, um one-play uh, scenario deck, then um, it, I know I stand a good chance of winning because um, they don't have they don't have a lot of cards to go with, in my opinion. And you also know they don't have a leader effect, right? So it's more predictable, but that's just my opinion. But that's always the case. Whenever a leader ability gets very popular, whenever it's dominating the meta, lockdown gets popular as well. We saw that a couple of months ago with the DJ Foldus meta. What was the first Nilfgaard deck people started to play? Oh. Lockdown. It's it's the sign of when you need 
a bit of a shift in the meta. It's the inevitable, we've had enough now, so we're going to stop this combo, even if it doesn't win against other things. It's it's the anti-meta deck. That's the point. It's the counter. And it works. It works for that against other decks that aren't. So, like, if you're playing Monsters or Skellige, Lockdown probably doesn't do very well. Uh, as well, because they're not necessarily meta right now, or ever, unfortunately, for those factions. Because I love Skellige. Make Skellige great again, guys. Come on. Um, but, yeah, it feels like Lockdown turns up every time people are bored with repeated combos yeah you said make skellige great again i still remember that tweet by jason slama who said that they intend to bring all bronze cards to the level of syndicate and skellige and half a year later that reference point is completely gone yeah but ash how about you have you been at least looking at gwen in terms of what people are playing whether it's a good time to come back Mm -hmm. no i've i've sort of been keeping my eyes open um my previous employment um, made it very very hard to be consistent because I was traveling out of the country for large periods of time so I was pretty much absent for the Merchants of Ophir expansion launch um, so obviously that you know had a, a large impact so I haven't really been around for that um, and you know as the whole moving situation has made it pretty much impossible for me to game um, I've been quite absent for I would say last month month and a half um, but I have every plan of getting you know back to streaming back to Gwent again uh, once I get a bit more settled here but I do keep my eyes open I try and read the meta snapshots when I can um, I have loads of friends who are you know very very good Gwent players and I'm always asking them you know how things are progressing um, what to keep an eye on and things like that so I've sort of been um, yeah keeping keeping you know uh, on top of what's going on even though i've not been able to get in as many hours as i would have liked myself yeah i just try to imagine how does it feel because you're not actively playing when how does it feel to check them at a snapshot week after week month <laughs> after month seeing the very same decks all all over again in a way it kind of gives me hope that i'm not gonna have to go and learn a huge amount more <laughs> makes it easier yeah yeah, yeah. but i know what it's like um you know being particularly a streamer when the meta is pretty stale like that it can be fairly tiresome um because you know if if things are fairly settled and you're playing the same thing day in day out for you know four plus hours a day it can be yeah quite tiring which is why I had to move on from from solely streaming Gwent to doing more variety stuff around midwinter because that's pretty much you know what what happened around there so um I yeah it must be harder for people who are sort of you know uh, in the content creation business, I'm sure when there's no patches, but um, as Lionheart mentioned, things sort of naturally evolve and you get counters to counters and things like that. So um, there's sort of a, a natural evolutionary process, but obviously it would be nice to have more content as a as a creator. Yeah, that's the way, that's the reason why we started this podcast. We just were looking for a platform to criticize Gwent. When the meta gets stale. Most of negativity. If you are doing uh, it on stream, people are going to be upset about it. But if you are doing it on a podcast, people are going to think, oh, these guys know something. <laughs> I mean, I they're wrong. We haven't got a clue. Don't tell our secrets, Weisenberg. <laughs> but I think there's also been a lot that's come out that's been really good. So seeing the um, breakdown of all of the esports events that are going to happen for the rest of the year. When I saw that um, back around Christmas time, I think it came out. I was so thrilled, you know, just to have some sort of guideline as to what's going to happen for the next year in Gwent, because there was quite a lot of uncertainty at the end of 2019. 
So um, that's been the best thing personally to know. And for, you know, a huge portion of the community who are involved in the esports side of things too. Yeah, I think this also partially explains the sudden surge in viewership because we had three things line up. We had um, a new expansion, Merchants of the Year. We had the new um, competitive schedule for for this year. Plus, we got the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And I think the Netflix show definitely has an impact, but that impact is going to be way more significant in the following months. Because what I've been doing recently is... First, I went to Twitch to see how The Witcher, the first Witcher, is doing. A lot of people were playing The Witcher. Then, a lot of people were playing The Witcher 2. Now, we see a lot of people playing The Witcher 3, so I assume it's a it's a matter of weeks before all these people who started playing Gwen in The Witcher 3 are going to learn about the standalone. Mm. We've also got the um, Android release coming, yes. which I think is going to yes. be amazing. Oh, it's yes. going to be huge. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I, I just love all these people asking CDPR Android release when. Q1, 2020. Next question. <laughs> Android yeah, release who when. Who cares about iOS release? We want uh, Android, please. Can't wait. Yeah, but, but it was, it was yeah, sorry, it was, it was good to know that the iOS launch did so well uh, for Gwent because, you know, there was a lot of hopes pinned on that. Um, so obviously, you know, the Android market is just as big, if not bigger. So hopefully that's going to be you know, probably one of the biggest things for Gwent this year, certainly. Oh yeah, it brings a lot of mm. new players to the game, and as we already know, the uh, mobile market is much more uh, keen on spending money on, on microtransactions. Mm. I think Lionheart broke down for us uh, a couple of patches, a couple of podcasts ago. Uh, the budget, uh, the income grew by by, by how much? Four hundred percent. Yeah, and each time, if you look progressively over the last year, the amount of money that Gwent has made in terms of microtransactions has continually increased. But as soon as uh, iOS launched, it doubled it 200% straight away, and we haven't even had, and that was for a quarter, and we'd only had iOS for three weeks. It's in, And we haven't had the figures for the most recent set, but I would conservatively say that will easily have been repeated. Yeah, I think um, it was more than so nice to see. I think it, it quadrupled in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it was. It's insane the volume, the increase. That took a lot of trawling through tedious finance documents. I was to going to say <laughs> they uh, they publicise all of their conference calls at high end, so you can find okay. all of the information if you have absolutely no desire to sleep ever. Um, so I said, yeah, sure, let's do this. This could be fun, um, but it was worth it because it was nice to see that Gwent was actually doing better than perhaps some of us thought. It was just before we got the announcement and you know, what was going to happen with season two. And there was a lot of fear, I think, from some of the pro players that I was speaking to that it just wasn't going to be a thing. A lot of people were expecting it just to go, we're going to go mobile. We know you've got iOS and that's it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. And obviously that would have scared, well, that would have been really problematic for quite a lot of us, I think. So I'm very excited, the same as you, to see that there's a, that there's a whole 12-month plan of this is what's coming. This is what we're going to see. There are tournaments. There's an option here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm never going to compete in those because I can't even get to pro rank. But that's not the point. I can still be excited about it. <laughs> uh, let uh... me explain it that way. So a couple of days ago, uh, some people were mocking me for being in rank five, and I told them pro rank. All kinds of no names are in pro rank. <laughs> Baby Joe's is Villa. I don't want to be around those guys. Rank five, Macbeard, Green Cricket. All my great friends. All the Gwent elites are there. So why would I ever want to get to pro rank? 
Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I can make so many jokes, but I'll, I'll, I won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll spare half the podcast. <laughs> uh, but guys, as we already said, a lot of new players are coming to Gwen. But how do you think this meta will influence new players? Because if you are a new player and you see things like Verdea all the time, or Mada all the time, or or Poison, which is not necessarily nice to play against, or or you see scenarios mm-hmm. being played in one turn when you can even afford this card as a new player, mm-hmm. how would you rate this meta, especially from the perspective of a new player? Um, I mean, I personally feel like net decking uh, is becoming more compulsory in a way because people are perfecting these um, meta decks, as you said, and people are perfecting the opposition deck. And uh, it's like it takes away all the creativity you would want. And I, I don't think it's a good thing for new players because there's not much they can do about it. Um, they, they might start buying cards, which I don't think is a good thing, uh, not too much. I feel like you have to be able to grind your way up with your own creativity and not just go after the meta netx. But yeah, that's just my opinion. I think a patch is in order very soon. Oh yeah, definitely. Because uh, th- this meta is very mid-rangey. You don't really mm. have this feeling that I can outplay my opponent. It's more like mm. my opponent is just playing better cards than I am. If you are mm. a homebrew player. So, it's like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got drug, he's got Kikimura. Um, you know, which is a drug of paper. Uh, it, there's not much you can do about it when you're handed certain cards because you already know what they have. Again, it's like triple siege. Do I have a banished card? No? Okay, I lose. <laughs> That's It's as simple as that, really. RNG stone into Arbalest, my best play. <laughs> that was great. I loved that. Uh, I, I actually, I don't, I don't know how affected new players are by the meta. If I'm honest, I think you can get to rank five playing pretty much anything if you play it enough. I don't think. I, I agree that you shouldn't just buy everything and just go straight in. Otherwise, you do just meta deck your way up, and I'm not not a fan of that either. Personally, triple siege for the win. Um, but I agree with you that the. It does feel very mid-rangey, and I think Radea encourages mid-rangey because it's basically I have a pile of random cards plus my three win con cards. The end, and it's kind of yeah, I'm not a fan of it, and I think that's why she's going to have some tweaks. But as a new player, I don't think the meta actually affects you very much to start with. There's a goal of oh my god, I've seen this one person playing this ridiculous deck, and that's okay. But I'm not. I don't. I don't think it matters too much. Um, and definitely at the lower ranks, you'll have more variability as well. And they, if they're new, they won't be as bored by the meta that's been around for a while because <laughs> yeah. they won't have been around for as long, I think. Yeah, um, they'll be excited by it, if anything. Oh my god, look at that amazing play that just destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you think that the new uh, format of the faction challenge could potentially influence uh, the game to the point where the game becomes more diverse? Because they reverted, they, they reversed the uh, rewards. So the faction that won the faction challenge is getting the lowest XP bonus. I saw that. I thought it was a mistake. It was not a mistake. I thought it was a glitch. It was not a glitch. So basically, what they're doing is, in the faction challenge, people are going to play the strongest possible decks. So Harmony, Pinsir, whatever poison. And these three factions are going to be on top. So they want to incentivize people to play other factions after the challenge, you know, to... Discover scale again and syndicate and, and monsters because that's how you get more exp. Interesting, very interesting. 
I'm just not sure I, I if it's it ever going to work. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, especially when you get to the higher ranks. I mean, you have your factions that work and those that don't work. I won't be risking anything in prayer rank if I am not used to it. It's just not worth it. I mean, a bit of XP versus uh, falling down the ranks. I don't know. Uh, I guess if you're a really pro player and you can play with every faction, then sure, you can. that might be some incentive. Yeah, especially if you are a seasoned player who's sitting on so much in-game currency that you'll be gladly giving that away to new players. Right? We discussed that previously. Yeah, I'd willingly do it. I'd willingly give away the kegs that I've got that I'm never going to use, the scraps and the ore I'm never going to use. I can make five, 600 kegs now and I have a full set. What am I going to do with them? I want to give them away. I did ask and CDPR told me no, but they are looking at doing something in the future was all I got as a response. Um, so I don't know what that means. It's nice and vague. Um, but yeah, basically no, but thanks for asking. <laughs> I, I like the idea. Yeah, I was actually wondering, Ash, the last time you played Gwen, how much currency did you have? How many scraps? Oh, like, give far take. too much. Like, ridiculous amounts. Like, a, a full collection. I don't think I actually have um, full premium cards, because I'm not too fussed by premium cards. <laughs> I mean, I don't, please don't kill me. But um, generally, I, yeah, I, I, I have every card I would ever need, and enough to last me a very long time. So I actually don't know the number, but um, a ridiculous amount. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Homecoming first dropped because that's when we got full meal value for everything we had. And I yeah. I could basically craft a premium collection three times over. Mm. And I think a lot of players who are coming back to Gwent right now could do that the same. Well, I don't think they can craft premium collection anymore because, well, you can't do scraps, use scraps to do that anymore. Now it's only the powder and you're not going to get that much powder. But it's still, it's a lot of in-game currency. And I'm 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 with, uh, with Lionheart on this one. I would really like there being a way for Gwent partners or content creators to somehow give it away to, to gift it to somebody who's new to Gwent. Mm, I don't think that will ever happen because I think they're already so lenient with the amount of things you can do without <laughs> spending a cent. Now, can you just imagine if everyone started gifting everyone everything they needed? I think what they could do is they could make some extremely limited edition uh, cosmetic items that cost like thousands and then people who are really pro and who have hoarded these things can start investing it and if someone sees you have this border around your avatar they know exactly how much you had to spend <laughs> at least that's mm -hmm. what i think but i think um i don't think they'll ever make us uh allow them to get less money <laughs> if i can put it like that yeah because um actually yesterday they announced during the um this week in gwen show that the full meal value is never going to happen again. So I'm a fan of that. I so, like that idea. A while ago, you got full meal value whenever a card was even slightly changed. Even if that was just a some numerical change, like a, the, the power value got changed, you would get the full meal value. Then they adjusted the rule only if the card card's ability was reworked, something else. And now it's just off the table. Okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. That's because we're all absolutely loaded with scraps. <laughs> That's exactly. very true. Yeah, as a as a new player, maybe I'd be a little bit more annoyed. I've just yeah. spent if you've been all saving up for something and it's yeah, changed. The one percent are fine with it, so it's fine. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't say I have a lot of scraps now, but the game is so generous that every single expansion I have around two two hundred fifty kicks to open. Yeah, exactly. And that They're and so that generous. equals a lot of scraps. 
Mm. Yeah, true. And um, so we have this event, and we know the patch is coming. You guys, like, you guys were saying, okay, a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks. What are your predictions? You know, maybe a couple of cards, maybe a couple of leader abilities. What do you think will change? Because two months of the same meta, that's a fairly long time. Mm. I mean, you have the obvious cards like Rodea that is going to change. We just don't know how. And I think some of the problematic factions would be uh, Squirtel. Sorry, Ash. <laughs> problematic. <laughs> it's <just so> strong. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the Hawk ability. Um, I know Lionheart was mentioning this earlier. That's able to move units, and it still has harmony. It's just insane. It's. So I think it should be knocked down a notch at least. And I remember someone complaining about uh, the monsters that are going to get changed too, and they were like saying, "Okay, we're we're going to give the Neckers immunity." We didn't ask for this. <laughs> please, <laughs> no. please don't. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of changes. I I just wonder what. Oh. When you when you said Necker's immunity, sorry, I I feel like I'm uh, cutting right into your uh, part Lionheart, but um, there was a patch that was I think that was midwinter when they changed the Imperial Enforcers to also ping retroactively. So before that they were engines. Like you had to play a spy, you would get a ping. Oh yeah, and, and then they, they changed it to the guns. point where mm-hmm. where you could you could just play spies before that, then play enforcers, mm-hmm. and then get oh. all the pings. Mm. It was absolutely ridiculous. Nobody ever asked for that, but that was just crazy. Mm. Very weird. I'd also like some of the stronger cards to um, only be playable in certain rows. Like I, f- I feel like uh, some of these cards can't all just be placed wherever you want them to place them. You know, some I think that's a great really idea. Maybe we should make it range. so certain cards can only be played on certain rows. That's a great exactly. mechanic. If only we had that in the past. <laughs> yeah, if only we could delete this from the game. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I understand what you mean. I completely exactly. agree. It's like Squirtle, uh, you very quickly get an overloaded row and you'll have to start thinking more clearly, when are you playing this card? When are you playing that card? And mm-hmm. I think it will solve a lot of our problems, making it a bit more difficult to play certain Thrive and Harmony abilities. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I've I've gone backwards and forwards with what I feel about some of these cards, and I keep thinking because we were talking about this, when we were planning what we were going to talk about, and the what cards do we need to nerf? And we always ask this question: what cards do we need to nerf? And this is why we went goes to stages where it becomes dull because when we get all these new shiny, exciting things like Redea, our first response is kill it because it's too good, not make everything else better so that it's equal. Um, Redea is ridiculously overpowered, but like Mulega and Etriel, we've just put them into the game. They're seven for seven if they don't stick, and they're even more than that if they do. The problem is they're so much better than everything else available, but if we take synergies out of the game because we think they're too good, we end up with Solitaire. And I think we've done that to ourselves before, where the community all piles in and goes, ah, this is broken, this is broken, it's too much, kill it. So CDPR come in with a massive hammer and squash it, and we don't see any new ideas again, and then we just get safe. I don't want safe, I want synergies, I want crazy things that if they stick... It blows my mind. Maybe that's because I like playing meme decks. I don't know. Yeah. But there are cards that are too much. Uh, I agree that the giving Harmony any additional Harmony cards is unnecessary. Stop it. Cotmera <laughs> shouldn't have Assimilate. That's overpowered yeah. compared to everything else. Uh, and Rodea does need a break. She is a card that was supposed to help Shoop that just went and straight out replaced Shoop. 
Now, nobody replaces my boy, right? That's not acceptable. <laughs> it's not okay. He's sad and in the corner right now because he doesn't even get into his own damn deck. So she needs either order on her ability for me, and I think that would actually be okay. Drop her down, increase her provisions, and give the, um, give the stratagem thing order. I think that's what's going to happen with Rodea. Because I that way, at least you can stop her. With, with cards like that, rather than nerfing them, as you said, kind of making things a bit more homogenous and less fun, um, you could just increase the risk of it actually paying off. Yeah. You know, just make mm -hmm. it less likely for it to actually stick. I don't yeah, know how that's why I just like you don't kill me because he said, <laughs> oh, get that away from here. Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's so uh, versatile. It's uh, I, I remember always playing Vatier, and Vatier is such a high-risk, high-reward card. It's, he has the order ability, and he's only three points. And if he does pay off, you get to steal any unit from your opponent with a lock. Now, if it doesn't pay off, you just lost a lot of provision costs, whereas units like Shoop, you can just use him for anything you want. And you won't ever lose Shoop because Shoop can be used in any way. And it's things like that that's, that's troubling to me. But yeah, like Rodea, if we make it an order ability, she can be locked. And I think that's a very good idea, Lionheart. Definitely. Yeah. I think that one thing people sometimes overlook is why certain cards are good. Because you can nerf a specific card, but there is always a reason why that card is good. Or why yeah. a certain archetype or deck is good. For example, like I see people complaining a lot about poison, and I get it. I, I I totally understand why people complain about that. But then the reason why poison is so damn frustrating to play against is not any new card card. It's just morale and cobra king, because you just get more mm. poison uh, uh, mm. pings that you need. Like new card on its own doesn't really have that much poison. Like you have. Somebody told me uh, basically as many cards as Syndicate and and um, and Skoya, but then you have Morale, and that card mm. is way too good. And then you have Cobra King that's four for four plus Poison. It's just so easy to add these cards to your deck. See, I don't I don't think Morale's a problem at all because you get the initial Poison and he's removable or lockable. He's only a five body. Maybe move him to four. Cobra King does not need to be in the game. That, that that card shouldn't be there because it's in almost every deck pointlessly. Having a neutral auto-include bronze feels weird. Um, we aren't magic where you cross-combine factions yet. And I know neutrals are there to facilitate. Some of them are fun and I'm guilty of playing some of them. That's fun. I don't know how much I like neutral bronzes that aren't... Bomb Heaver and things like that. I know there's a lot of do we like artifact removal, blah, blah. But that's a different kind of card to adding additional synergy. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. As a card, that one I don't think is okay. But I actually, I think morale's fine. I, I, I didn't, but and it's run in every deck. But it's so easy to prevent. Okay, it gets one poison trigger, but you can kill the others, I think. Everyone disagrees yeah. with me in chat, apparently. They all love, they all think morale's broken and vice versa. But I don't think poison's you see, a problem. The problem with morale is you always have to compare it to Gaunter or Deem. And mm. it's just way better. It's cheaper. And it's yeah. way more powerful because you can remove the card on deploy if the card already has poison. And then the next turn, if morale sticks, you can play Banks of the Empire, you can play Cobra King, you get another poison and you kill that exactly. unit with morale. Exactly. And the thing is, you can't just remove morale. Uh, you need to lock morale or remove him. In other words, you can't purify the unit that has just been poisoned. So morale is a definite poison. There's nothing you can do about it. And you can't just purify a unit because he probably is rocking another King Cobra. Um, 
So, yeah, morale is a definite poison. Take away a card. Don't know how to put it. Yeah, morale no, is that, yeah. very, very problematic in that way. That's a good, actually, I haven't, I completely overlooked that section of the fact that, yes, you can lock him, but he's already deployed a poison, so you can't kill him and remove your poison in the same round. So, actually, that yes. is a very valid point. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Trinet's just said something very similar in chat, and actually, yeah, that, that's very valid. I take back my everything I just said. N morale, terrible. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, I, I don't want to put BJ on the spot here, but I remember when, when he said, oh, DJ is fine. Like, do you, you know, when we had the DJ meta and everyone was complaining about the card and BJ didn't, like, Baby Joseph didn't play a lot at that point. So he was like, no, the card is fine. And then he started playing and then he started queuing into DJ and just started losing by, you know, 50, 60 points every single game. <laughs> and he was like, okay, this is not fine. No. <laughs> yeah. The same, the, same, the same way morale, like, if you first look at the card, okay, it's, it's not really that bad. Like, there is some things you can do, but then you realize... You only can do one thing per turn. You can you can react to both poison and morale being there. Yeah. If they're going to leave him in the game, whether you give him two charges, uh, but he's order, so he's there, but he doesn't poison in the initial round, and, that would and make then him he four. has, and yeah, maybe well, make him four as well as not deploying the poison. Maybe you see. You um, see this has to be a high risk high reward card you get two poison pings yeah. on order but he's four mm. if he's four there's a lot of things that can kill him because if he's five you can joust him you, you, you can kill him through many other means you have to use zap or you have to deal mm. five powers somehow so maybe yeah. assassination if he's played in a, in a very specific spot but realistically how many things deal deal five damage I guess, but then too many do four damage, and for nine or nine provisions, you'd never play him because he'd never stick. Or we end up with a defender meta again to protect cards like him. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, it really is, and that's actually also my next question, guys, because we often talk about things that we would like to change in the game. But how would you specifically tackle all these biggest offenders? Like, what would you do with Rodea? What would you do? What would you do with morale or with harmony cards? Because. I can tell, okay, when I have Nightmares, I, he I hear the Hawk screeching. That card is just way too good for its provisions. Mm. But how to change uh, it to still make it playable, but not OP? I wish I had that answer. If I had that answer, I'd work for CDPR. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's no way to counter Rodea. She's already been played. Again, you can maybe, like um, Lionheart said, uh, give her the order ability, so get rid of the stratagem. But she's been played. She's eight points. So you need to get rid of eight points. There's not much you can do about that. Yeah. Mm. She's yeah, broken. I... I, she needs to be fixed, I think. And the At least not eight points. Maybe put her down to four points and give her her stratagem. And I feel that already better. Uh, you cut out? You've gone again. But yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with what Tia was saying there regarding the... Um, you know, with Rodea. Hello again. Hi. I was saying eight points too much. We should make it like five points, perhaps. Uh, she doesn't need eight points. She has a stratagem ability. It's not necessary, in my opinion. I think that's what will happen, or they will make her a lot, maybe like 14. But I doubt they'll do that. Um, there's actually one thing that I saw on Reddit uh, the other day, and somebody found an old interview with Jason Slama. And Jason said, cards that are expensive will rarely uh, break even on the provision cost. 
because they are still the most powerful cards in the game, but to break even on the provision cost or to even exceed it should be very difficult. And then you have cards like Rodea that's basically 13 for 10 with no answer whatsoever. You can you can break it, you can do anything about it. Gwent's moved Northern Realms kind of changed that though. A lot of Northern Realms gold cards comfortably trade for above. Falador trades 12 above. Obviously Rodea is crazy broken as a neutral. I, I think, think Philippa matches uh, her provision Philippa cost. matches. I think they're probably moving away from that to make those cards more powerful, whether that's good or bad. It would be fine if everything traded that way, I think. Um, I think it's becoming more and more common that cards trade minimally for their provisions and more, if, if anything, more a lot of the time. Even bronzes. A lot of bronzes trade for equal or above these days, which they never used to. It was a lot harder to get that value. You had to have synergy when you used to have things like Thrive that were more prominent. Um, like Harmony now is just play a card, really easy to synergize. Hey, have more points and more points and more points. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Hmm. I don't know if they should go back to that way, though, as I say, because I'm trying to say, let's boost everything, let's make it better, uh, rather than nerfing it. So I guess this is perhaps a byproduct of them trying to do that. Yeah, I think I think an R specifically needed a buff, because the faction was not being played at all. But dead. they made it way too mid-range when it comes to golds. Mm. Everything is just pure value. You know, Baron is pure value, uh, Ansays is pure value, Philippi is pure value, Falibor, as you already mentioned. And now we have Rodea to go with it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know where they get these <clears throat> ideas to make these strong cards. That are just, it doesn't fit. I mean, if everyone could play Rodea, is Rodea really that good a card? Mm, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you see essentially the entire community sacrificing synergies mm. to play Radea, then you know something is wrong. But as you Lionheart said, mm. it is very, very difficult to find a good solution. I like what uh, Oshimat said in his video. He said maybe they should temporarily remove Radea from the game or make her vanilla uh, like Letho of Gold back in the day. Just make her eight for eight, and that's it. Just leave it, leave her like that for a, for a while until they get a better idea of what to do with her. But yeah, mm. me as a content creator, it's really hard to to come up with like concrete solutions on, on how to change certain cards. Sometimes yeah. provision cost or power power change might be enough, but I think in in this case, it's not gonna be enough. Like, this skill has to be changed. Yeah, I mean, people are using Rodea to get the scenarios out in one turn. It's so broken. It needs oh, yeah. to be an order ability, like Lionheart said. It will fix a lot of things. You'll be able to counter Rodea, and people will start thinking it might not be worth it playing Rodea, as you're basically paying for eight points. And then you can screw up certain scenario abilities with that. Mm. But then again, I'm saying lock. I, I don't think you can lock Rodea unless you're playing Guard. I mean, am I right? Uh, you can. An R has a gold lock, for instance. Yeah. Maybe, maybe ma hold. make her uh, order plus roll locked so you can move her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Make her like melee or ranged, and yeah. then you can more easily counter Rodea. High risk, high reward, right? Yeah, that's that 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 should be how it is. I th I don't think they're going to do what. Uh, Ocean was suggested. Rodea is literally the feature character on the front of the when you log into the game. Oh yeah. Do they really want that card to do nothing? 
I think they wanted her to be good. I think this was, she was supposed to be a talking point. Look, by design, she's the one that you're supposed to go, oh, that's the card. I want to play her. I saw her when I loaded the game, right? That's probably maybe, why she's this strong. Maybe that's the reason why, she, yeah, that, what, what you just said, maybe that's the reason why uh, the Ophiri cards in general feel so strong because they are the main features of the expansion. Yeah, and that's usually the case. You don't introduce new cards that are underpowered. If anything, the new cards are always going to be slightly OP compared to what currently exists. Otherwise, why bother having them? We're trying to encourage yeah, yeah. people to do it, right? I think, maybe. Marketing strategy. I, I see what you mean. Always introduce these overpowered cards and then maybe later reduce and modify them just so people know they're there. And I, mm. may, I mean, maybe it increases their popularity. I can't help myself but get the feeling that we are still beta testers. It's like, guys, here is this broken card. We want to take two months to see how people are going to use it, how much it's going to be, uh, be played, and then maybe we are going to balance it. That's I what happens know. when you run, that's yeah. That's just card games in general. I mean, it's going to be a constant process of having to iterate on cards that do exist. You know, the meta is sort of a, a moving target, I guess. So um, I think that's, that's fairly normal. Try and be nice to CD Projekt for once. <laughs> they take enough yeah. stick from the rest oh, of Oh, yeah, us. we actually have to be nice to CD Projekt Red because uh, we are in talks with them of inviting another employee to our show. So CDPR, we yeah. still love you guys. Mateusz, Buja, we are still friends. <laughs> it's all oh, done no. with love. We, we yeah, love no, the no. game. That's I, why we complain. I, I think it's totally fair to critique, but, you know, I, uh, yeah, we are in a card game. You know, it's normal in card games for new cards to be added and then tweaked. I don't yeah. I know what you uh, mean by it feels like a beta test, but it's just the nature of the, the type of game, yeah, I think. I think you're right. Um, and I think we'd be bored if it wasn't the case, if cards just appeared and never got changed. We'd complain about that too, right? Yeah. Guys, we could we can talk about Rodea for another hour, um, but that's just beating, beating a dead horse. Like We've been talking about it the previous episode. The card has been around for almost two months now. We all know it's a problem. It's probably going to get changed. One thing that I noticed in somebody else's stream, that was McBeard's stream, and people started asking, McBeard, what do you think the next expansion is going to be? And I think you don't really have to know the meta, you don't really have to know the current cards to talk about it. And, uh, you know, we've been playing on and off the, the last couple of weeks. So that'll be my next question. Guys, your expectations when it comes to the new, new, new expansion. I know we are probably a couple of months away. But, you know, new expansion is something that excites a lot of people, even the thought of it. So, guys, do you think they're going to follow this sort of geographical theme, you know, like Novigrad and then Redania and uh, and, and then uh, Ophir? Or uh, are we going to see an like, expansion based on, on certain themes, maybe? What do you think is the next expansion is going to be? Like, what do you like question. to see? My brain is just like in overdrive right now. Um, there's so many potential things yeah. we could do. There's so much. That's why we're asking this. We're always asking difficult questions, guys. <laughs> I mean, I did ask in the previous uh, a CDPR stream about um, Cyberpunk, you know, uh, making a <laughs> appearance, but apparently they made it very clear. Two different worlds shan't collide. The thing is, people have been uh, talking about Suri and her ability mm. to travel to places like cyberpunk we were thinking imagine just bringing in a little expansion where uh those cards do make an appearance i, mean, I, I bet there'll be an easter factor? egg mm. yes an easter egg in a future nice. series card or something um that would be cool so maybe be, even yeah. just a seasonal event the cyberpunk crossover for launch here you go here are cards they're seasonal only 
go. <laughs> that would be cool. Imagine, I mean, if we could somehow bring the popularity of Cyberpunk to Gwent and uh, promote it as such, we could get so much more players. Like, people are joking that there'll be a card game in Cyberpunk, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> I think they've already got their hands full with Gwent. Yeah, I don't definitely. think they're ready yet for something else. True. Mm. I, I, I don't think... know. Oh, go on. After you, Ash, no, you carry on. Oh, no, I was going to say, I reckon it'll probably be, you know, similar vein uh, somewhere else in the the Witcher world. We've not, you know, everyone's always made jokes about um, Zeracania, but I genuinely think that that could be a potential, you know, uh, expansion in the future. Because when I think about it, so many regions that are interesting are vassals of different uh, states that already exist. So I think Zeracania is the most obvious, most kind of standalone place that's been mentioned, but not touched on yet. I think the reason Zeracania would be very difficult to add to the game in any capacity is there are no Zeracanians in the lore. There's only those two girls that, that follow Bork, mm. and we only get Azar Javed in The Witch yeah. 1, and that's about it. Yeah, but that's why I think that there'll be so much opportunity there, because I don't think there's much left on the continent that we know. Mm. Very true. Um, they're always expanding it, right? There's yeah. always more that they can create, because they have the license to do that, so... It would be interesting. I knew. I think that I agree with you. I think they will stick with geographical places, and they've got the license to go. Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, I don't think we'll see another faction ever. Personally, I'm hoping not. Yeah, it gets yeah. too much, in my opinion. I think there's already, you know, factions that have sort of been neglected a bit. Yeah. So more if you can't keep up with the ones we have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw someone in the chat mentioning Witcher faction. I don't think that. Witchers could be a faction, but there is definitely a lot of room to add more Witcher-related cards to the game. Maybe not specifically Witchers, but you know, there's there's probably been Druids or Mages performing the Trials of the Grasses and stuff like that. So there is definitely a lot of room uh, in the, that uh, in the game to add things from the lore to kind of benefit the Witchers uh, in a way. But we already have a lot of Witchers. I I really think they're gonna stick to that geographical theme that they're using right now. And like the first thing that comes to mind is Kovir. It's, yeah, it's, it's covered in the books. Uh, it's mentioned multiple times in the games. Yeah, yeah, Very I think possible. I think that could be a thing. Yeah, I don't know what the theme would be though, if that makes sense. The others have had very distinct sort of flavors. Kovir seems kind of vanilla as a place. Um, I don't know. Maybe they could make it. Isn't it described in the books like a snowy Venice? Like, I think it, because it's far in the north. Mm. So, so maybe yeah. that could be a thing. But then again, they don't really get involved with the politics of the rest of the country. Yeah, they are. They are a merchant so. nation. Mm. Like they just trade with More everyone merchants. and don't care about the the, the conflicts and, and and the wars. Mm. So maybe that could be a thing. Like everyone is trading with Kovir. Mm. Maybe that, that would mean that the whole faction would be neutral then. If yeah, that's, the that's case. what I was thinking. Yeah, we'd have lots of new neutral cards. I mean, Ophir is neutral. Yeah, true. I, I do wonder if um, mm. we end up going down the magic route where cross factions more viable. I know neutral fits in everything, but magic has the same number of total options in terms of factions or whatever you want to call it colors. I wonder if at some point we will get cross faction play index where you can have a combination of two and whether that is and one of them is neutral and that's the default and then you can switch it up so you can mix the two i don't know i 
even if it was as a, a seasonal event to try it or that's how they mix up arena or I'd be interested because there are some cross-faction synergies that would just be amazing. I think we could see more dual faction cards in the future. I know that, you know, when we had Pavel on the show, he said, nah, the next expansion, there won't be any cards of that type. But that was a while ago. Mm. So maybe um, the new expansion, which could come out in a month or a couple of months or half a year, we don't know. Maybe that expansion could focus on, on dual faction cards. Maybe. That'd There's be no reason that the, you know, yeah, vampire aristocrats, why are they not monsters? They're vampires. Let's put them in. Let's make this happen. Make monsters good. Interesting. Yeah. I think it would be so hard to balance, though, because all of a sudden you're going yeah. from balancing within a faction to synergies that you had never thought about and having to balance two or, you know, more factions. Um, mm. I think it would be so much harder than just, <laughs> you know, the way we have it at the moment. That's true. It would be chaos. Uh, uh, Lionheart, what you just mentioned is basically uh, a question of lore. Like, you could basically remove the vampire tag and, and explain the way that aristocrats and Novgorod are just killing each other off uh, to, to get closer to the Imperial throne. That's it. Why yeah. is the vampire tag there? I don't know. But somewhere deep down, I have a feeling that they want to introduce cards like Novgorod and Oriana or Detlaf because these cards are related to, to Song, which is part of Novgorod. So maybe there is going to be more more vampires from, from, from that region to fit in the faction. Because the way I see it, quite often you have cards and you, you think, they make no sense. Why is this card even in the game? And then a couple of expansions later, like the whole thing gets expanded and, and every, all of a sudden it makes sense. Kind of like with yeah. the facts of the Empire, we thought, this card is bad. Why, why is it in the game? Like Nobody's playing it. And boom, you know, a couple of expansions later, facts of the Empire is, is in almost every single Nilfgaardian deck. That's interesting because that means that you think that they're planning several patches in advance. They do. Whereas I'm not sure. <laughs> they actually do. I'm always curious. They actually, expansions they do. And I can confirm that because when we had Pavel on the show, we were talking about Iron Judgment that it was about to release and we were revealing cards for Iron Judgment and Pavel, before the show, he told us, I'm already looking at cards from the next expansion. Mm. So it was already in the works before they released are in judgment. So I think they okay. are already working on the next couple of expansions. They're just not saying anything. Mm -hmm. I I like how you have such high hopes for uh, CDPR's <laughs> work. Long-term planning. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, mergers of negativity. We have to say something, something more negative. We, yeah. we have to say something bad. Uh, I mean, I love CDPR. I'm just thinking I personally wouldn't be able to plan several patches ahead of time. That's just, you need to work on the problems. Yeah. It's fully done. Like, you said, <laughs> uh, like Rodea being um, overpowered just to give her some more uh, spotlight and then later on reducing her power. I mean, that's a very interesting concept. I would I would take my hats off to see my my one hat off to CDPR if that was the case. Both of them. <laughs> Several yeah. hats. I think there probably is a long term plan, almost certainly. But then, if you can't account for things cropping up and emergency patches needing to happen, um, then you know you're going to stray from that plan. But I do imagine they have you know the next big expansion in the works. But you know the short term can be a bit more volatile. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I like to believe that they are working on several expansions, 
But on the other hand, with the new competitive season, I think they have her their their hands full with with that stuff. Have you guys um, uh, checked the new format? Ash specifically, because we actually talked about that a little bit on the previous episode. Because that's something that's also concerning you. The whole tournament scene. Yes, it is interesting. Uh, the, I have I have a lot of questions about how this next season's going to go, but mostly I'm feeling very optimistic about it all. Um, I, I think that it's been really good um, to see how responsive CD Projekt have been to the community's input on how the tournament scene evolves. Because... Mm. You know, we have to shout out Malijan for what he's done. Um, he's made, you know, lots of uh, useful insights. Lots of people have. And subsequently, the the format of the tournament scene has evolved in, in a good way, I think, in a, a more fair way. So I'm, I'm quite hopeful as to how it's going. I think it's going to be an improvement. Uh, it, is, it is already an improvement in a way because the first season was really stretched. It is still really stretched because it hasn't concluded yet. Um, yes. The Masters <laughs> are going to be in March. So, uh, mm. When did the season start? Two years ago? Two and a half years ago? A long time. Yeah. And the, it was originally designed to be 12 months and it just never kind of ended, which was, yeah, problematic. I, I agree. I think the new format and the new structure is not only fairer, but more enjoyable. I think it will work and people know what they're working towards so we're more likely to commit to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with Ash. I think that's. I think they've listened. I think it's great. And I think hopefully it will be good for Gwent going forward. I think it will. Mm. I think it's probably just been a lot of growing pains as a company, you know, having a live game like Gwent. There's so much that is different from producing like a huge kind of epic, uh, you know, single player RPG and then trying to learn how to run a live game is just a massive learning curve especially when it comes to a lot of um, values that cd project hold dear such as you know trying to have things absolutely perfect before launch um which is so much harder to do with a live game and it's never going to work out that way because you can try and create a perfect product but if people have to wait a long time for it then it's going to change sentiments so i think it's yeah it's just been a lot of growing pains as a as a company coming from single player experiences to live games also, um, you have to remember that this is a new project and a lot of people who started this were so much into the Witcher universe that there was just a lot of motivation and a lot of you know new ideas being thrown around. So the first season was kind of blown out of proportions. They didn't really have the money to organize all those lavish tournaments and they did it anyway yeah. because they wanted them to be remembered. They wanted it started everyone... so strong. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the downfall. Not a downfall, but, you know, setting the bar so high in the beginning is really hard to commit to. Yeah, I remember when we were talking about the last Challenger, that it was held at um, the studio. And for me, as a viewer, it was fine. Like the, Overall, the, the atmosphere was great. The tournament was amazing. But I remember Pavel saying, oh, we had all those crazy ideas of renting a castle in Transylvania to build the whole thing around the vampires and they've been doing that a lot and that costs a lot of money yeah so i really think that they learned the lesson mm-hmm. like you can you can do more with less yeah i guess I, yeah we've just come to expect such amazing things you know from the first three or four challenges um that like i said they set the bar so high in closed beta you know when they were essentially um trying 
the game, piloting the game uh, for the very first time. And then we all got used to it, <laughs> not realizing that they they were literally probably the best um, live tournament live tournaments in terms of the organization in esports. I would say they were absolutely fantastic who runs an esports tournament in a salt mine <laughs> um so we kind of got used to that uh which i think is yeah if, if we'd started off you know doing the more in the studio or in sort of more toned down locations we would be absolutely blown away away if um world masters was say in the salt mine or something like that yeah, yeah and that, that's not, not just an ordinary salt mine it's a unesco protected heritage site Imagine explaining that to a new player. So here's this new game that doesn't really have that much following. It's just growing slowly. And then one of the tournaments is being organized at a site like this. Like, what? Why? How much money did it cost? They could have done it somewhere else. It was wonderful to watch. Oh, yeah, it, it was. was. Great. Yeah. Oh, but to be honest, I really enjoyed the tournaments at the studio. The studio is looking great. And there's always, you know, people cosplaying Dandelion or, or Eridin. Ah, my, my darling friends, Kevin and Rudy. We actually worked together on the very first game when I got into Gwent. And now they subsequently work um, at CD Projekt, which is quite cool. That's awesome. Mm. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about when it comes to uh, crowd, uh, when it comes to the competitive scene is, you guys said they, they listened based on what on, on the feedback of Molygian and how vocal he was about there not being any sort of announcement or, or news regarding uh, the competitive scene. People complain about uh, the crowdfunding because there's there is this new rule that allows people to somehow donate money towards the prize pool, and originally that bonus o would only go to the winner of a specific tournament, and now they changed it that it's gonna be spread across all players, and that shows they are listening. Mm. Yeah, I think that was the most significant thing that I've seen recently, because that was. Yeah, it was a great change. I think it was completely justified and I'm so happy that the community were listened to on, on that particular issue because it just seems fair. I remember seeing a poll on, I think it was on Twitter, there was a poll or something like that and overwhelmingly people wanted it to be a more fair system. So it was a shame that sort of um, miscommunication happened initially, but it was great to see it fixed so fast. Oh yeah, definitely. Because we comment on that internally, but also on the previous episode, that it's not really promising because a lot of players would feel that, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get into the tournament, and then the prize pool has been lowered significantly, and the bonus that could be, that could be quite um, sizable is only going to go to one player. Mm. So now mm. that it's more fair, yeah. people, people yeah. Um, are going to be more likely to, to grind to, to get to the tournament. It makes it a more viable option. I completely agree. Yeah. Can I say something a little bit like throwing a spanner in the works? How cool would it be if that money, instead of going to the main tournaments, went to support a smaller tournament, like a smaller regular tournament? I'd love that too. That would be amazing. Right. I think that yes. probably that would have even been better for the community than propping up, you know, the eight or so people who make it through to the big event. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more mm -hmm. prize pools for more Gwent tournaments when we get the uh, mm -hmm. the ability to have custom tournaments and the clients and all of that. Actually, yeah. that would be great. Oh, yeah. I, wish, I wish they had a budget for community-organized tournaments. It doesn't have to yeah. be much. Maybe maybe yeah, some Gwent merch. And Gwent. 
Yeah, Gwen and Gwen, we are definitely going to talk about that soon. Imagine if there was a online-only monthly tournament with, say, like a thousand pounds or a thousand euros as a prize pool. That would just be so... Oh, um, that, there that is going to be the qualifiers, but the qualifiers are not free-for-all. Like you have yeah. to be top 12 or top 64 on the ladder to get there. Mm. I definitely like the idea of the tournament being open for everyone. That would be so cool. I think Wild Hunt was like that, right? Like none of none of us participated, none of us uh, helped organize it, but I think it was open for everyone because yeah, I think so. Too. I remember somebody I called uh, Defiant Ship, and he was he was a new player, and he was like, "Screw that! I'm gonna drive to Philadelphia. I'm gonna participate." He lost his games, but he still had a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd go. I'd happily play whether it was online or in a physical place. If they said, "Yeah, we're gonna do this," I'd compete every month. I'd lose every Same. month. But that's not the point. I'd have fun doing it. It's fine. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think focusing more on the competition aspect will definitely get more people. Like, even if it's just online, people will begin to flock to the site just so they can win some money. <laughs> but uh, essentially, that will cause an adapt spiral, right? And we'll get people actually like the game and come just for the game. But yeah, money is a good incentive, unfortunately, but that is the case. Uh, money is one thing, but um, you mentioned, Ash, that... Um... A couple of your friends are now working with CTPR, and I think it's a good moment to just stop talking about uh, the meta and, and the competitive Gwent, because that's really just beating a dead horse, uh, and move to the personal segment of this podcast, because I think that was that's also the segment you are waiting for, because you will have a lot more input here. Um, how did you get wor- to, to work with CTPR? Because I know that to get to get them to talk to you or to organize mm-hmm. something, it's quite easy. They are very open. You just talk to Buja and Buja talks to somebody yeah. else and you can get it done. But, uh, you know, to be a host of a tournament, that's a completely different story. Yeah, it was, oh, it was wild. It's been such a strange but fantastic series of events. <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned how I started playing Gwent, um, which was, you know, working as a, as a cosplayer at the first Gwent event at Gamescom. And then after that, I, like you, um, got a, a closed beta invitation and started streaming it from there. And that pretty much went on. That was in 2016. That went on for, I think, about a year. I'm trying to get my numbers right. Yeah, so it was around April, um, April, May time of 2017 um, when I got a message saying, hey, we want to start this thing called Around of Gwent, which was the... Oh. <laughs> it was I missed round of I missed that oh, show. Oh, so good! <laughs> it was amazing. It was so much fun. Um, so I started that. I actually had just finished university, and then they asked me to do that. So I was like, "Yeah, sure, that sounds great." <laughs> um, so for a couple of times a month, roughly once a month, but sometimes maybe about twice a month, um, I would fly out to to Poland to go and film that, and that lasted until the Christmas of 2017. Um, so yeah, I had about a year there where I, I honestly was gobsmacked, but I literally just got asked to host um, based on my stream. And also during that year, I had the opportunity to work at um, uh, as a, at a convention here in the UK um, called CoxCon, C-O-X-Con, uh, named after Jesse Amazing. Cox, So yeah, he's he's good friends with CD Projekt and me being based in the UK and that convention being in Telford in the UK. 
um, it sort of just all came together that they wanted to have a Gwent tournament there. So I hosted that, um, which was the first time I'd ever hosted to a live audience in my life. And it was so scary because there were thousands of people there. But in my mind, going from somebody who I, I didn't love public speaking, honestly, I wasn't absolutely petrified of it, but it wasn't something that kind of came naturally to me other than streaming. But that's a lot more low key because you're just sort of in a room and talking to your computer. Um, but the first you know, live event that I did, I remember having this binary choice in my head. I was like, I can either be nervous and it comes across badly, or I can fake being confident for an hour or two and it will come across better. So I just decided to fake it and I came off and I'm pretty sure I was shaking, but it went, it went well. So um, I think it was just sort of proving to myself, hey, I could do it once and just completely like lie my way through it. I wasn't lying, but you know, like trying to, um, trying to, I guess, have this uh, this confidence. I had to manifest it from somewhere. Um, and then after it happened the first time, I was like, hey, I can do this again. Um, and it's interesting because I'm not naturally a very extroverted person. But, you know, if I, if I know I'm hosting, I can save up all my energy for that event in like a month's time <laughs> and uh, <laughs> turn it up when I need to. So, um, yeah, between working uh, at that Gwent tournament at CoxCon and then also uh, doing the around of Gwent stuff, that's how I sort of first started hosting in 2017 then throughout 2018 I was still working freelance uh, as a host and streamer and then I got lots of kind of odd jobs around the place so I was quite fortunate I got um, a role as a host of a esports tv show here in the UK and did some sort of more freelance gigs with other companies so I worked with um, Pro Evolution Soccer, uh, PUBG and like some other other various different mobile games around the place so yeah, pretty much all started from CD Projekt deciding to give me a go based on my stream in, in 2017. And then I've been making it up ever since. <laughs> um, Fake it till you make it. Yeah. yeah. I actually, to follow <laughs> up on that, well. I think uh, being not overly extroverted or being an introvert is quite common for streamers. Because mm. people often see content creators are, as somebody who has to be an extrovert because you are talking so much, you are creating content, you have to be out there. But it's for me and i think for a lot of other people it feels like i'm an introvert i don't want to be be around people but i want to interact with people and streaming yeah. gives me that opportunity because i'm talking to people while being alone in my room yes and i think the other thing that i found is that um in this content creation in gaming you're speaking to like-minded people which i've always yeah. found is a lot less taxing than speaking to people who are massively different to me so if yes. we've got you know a common love then i could talk to somebody for hours about that so that makes it a lot easier too definitely yeah and um another thing that you were you basically started with that round of gwent yeah. And you, you could just hear me and Lionheart being like, oh, oh I know, it's so, so funny. good. It was amazing. <laughs> That's actually hilarious because um I guess I've only I only know it from the other side. I've no I've never really watched them back. Um I'd find that kind of hard. <laughs> you know, your own voice sounds different when you hear it on a recording. So I I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never watched the whole episode, so <laughs> um it's nice to really? hear that they went down well. <laughs> It kind of reminded me of Doug Cockle, the, the the actor who played Geralt in The Witcher games, and he said, I've never finished The Witcher 3. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it was a great show, and the, the, the part of it that I liked the most was Beyond the Frame. Yes, that was honestly one of my favorite parts, too. 
Yeah, the the narrator. Um, I only knew him from the uh, The Witcher Three um, interviews. He was doing such a great job, and the whole makeup, you know, looking yeah. like a crazy, looking basically like Stregobor from the Witcher, from the Netflix series. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was amazing, and then making it personal. I remember him talking about Berna, and yeah. you know, he ex- yeah. he he told told the story as if he was there. That was great. Yes. That, was, that was absolute. And incidentally, yeah. the whole show just died around midwinter. Yes, it was pretty much that December. We did a Christmas episode. That was the last one. Um, yeah, that it was a shame. I think it was, you know, CD Projekt were under lots of other pressures as well. And it was sort of a supplementary thing to the main game, you know, a portion of people who played Gwent would ever watch the show. So I understand how it wasn't really feasible to keep it up because they had other things to be focusing on. I'm really sorry. There's a delivery coming to the door, so I'm gonna to have to mute myself because the dog's gonna start barking. <laughs> okay, okay. We we are gonna just um, trash the plan here in the meantime. Oh no, not this, not this section. Never this uh... section. Uh, but yeah, actually, I saw some comments, like people commenting on your light, and somebody said, "Oh, he's just so red because yes, he's talking to Ash not... and T at the same time." No, no, that's not what's happening. There's a yellow background, and I'm ginger. People, okay. I know I look very orange. It's just the light. <laughs> I've got to work on it. It's fine. Nothing else. But yeah, hope. Yeah, let Artie bark. Let's talk about Artie. Okay, Artie I think we're safe one. now. I think okay. we're okay. Yeah, no, he, he's my dog. Very happy with him. Although he likes to make a feature on my streams. So I've As had to sort of lock him out of the door because he he won't understand that we're on a podcast and he'll be asking why I'm not giving him attention. So <laughs> I literally had to keep my <laughs> um, I guess Tia is swearing again because Discord is muting the hell out of her. Uh, yeah. Oh. And there you go. I got I got it from the actions though. Go to the dog. Um, you can hear me now. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I was saying yeah. I also have dogs and they um also do exactly the same thing. So I have to keep my door open during the podcast so they can oh, just yes. come in. They <laughs> one essentially. I give up. Yeah. I really like before the podcast, your mom was just so carefully trying to avoid the door. She was like, are they seeing me? Are they seeing me? Uh, meanwhile, she's in full view of the camera. It's so funny. It's like people who grow on the floor. It's like, we can see you. There's not much you can do about it. But I told them just to keep away, please, and um, not use the internet because I'm already struggling. I think I'm glitching out every now and then. Hopefully that will get fixed pretty soon. Yeah, so. but Ash, let's assume that at some point in the future, CDPR is um, organized more projects like that, more shows yeah. like Run of Gwent. Would <laughs> you like to return to host? Of course, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. Of course, I didn't even would love the to. question. <laughs> yes, next. That would be fantastic. Um, yeah, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. But anyway, you, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. We already got our answer. That would be really cool. Um, but. You know, I, I actually genuinely don't know of any plans to do anything like that. Although, if, if they ever need somebody, then I'm happy to do that. Hello. Because we are asking for a reason. Right? There is this... It started as a meme, and then Linehart told me that he's actually looking for venues. So it looks more like a future future project. There is a place in the UK called Gwent, and you are probably perfectly aware of that. Yes. And we would like to to organize an event called Gwent in Gwent. It will be a tournament, a community meetup in Gwent, in Wales. 
So the reason why we ask is, let's say, let's assume that we somehow managed to pull it off. Would you be interested in hosting that event? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, Chesy's from Gwent. Yeah, isn't I, I was. I spoke to him about it yesterday. Actually, he oh, jumped, jumped in my stream. Yeah, I spoke to him about it. Oh. I called him English initially, and he got very angry with me. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm joking. I know. I know." Yeah. So we got to get there too. Together, um, at Gwent Challenger just gone. So we actually travelled over together because we're both coming from the UK. Um, so I got to chat to him quite a bit, and he's really cool. He's very lovely. And he is indeed from Gwent. He actually said that the reason that he heard of Gwent because, was because he saw an ad on Facebook advertising a game called Gwent. And he was like, hey, I live there. <laughs> and that's how he started playing. Oh, really? That's that's quite yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah, you're kind of obliged to start playing it if it's called after your hometown. Yeah, I, I don't think the place is that well known outside of the UK. So No. <laughs> it's sort of people... like a county. It's yeah. not. It's not really a town. It's like so a, I think yeah. that they got a lot more publicity thanks to the game because people were just, oh, I play Gwent in The Witcher Three. Let's Google it, Gwent. Oh, there's a place mm -hmm. else called, called Gwent. So, so may maybe we are low key boosting their tourism. I'd Almost be very annoyed if I lived there. You'd constantly be trying to search for uh, what's what's good to do in Gwent when you live there. No, no, <laughs> not again. No, I don't care who this Geralt bloke is. Stop. <laughs> God's sake, Jerry. Enough. Who's Jerry? He's not Jerry, he's Gary. He's Gary of Nivea. Get your <laughs> shit together, Lionheart. <laughs> I, I knew that would trigger you. I knew that would trigger you. Yeah, there's there's only th three things that trigger me more. I think one of them is people calling Visigoda Corvo. My sure. boy Corvo. Yeah. I will call him Corvo till the end yeah. of time. It's guys, much guys, he's, to call, say. he's called Visigoda. So, so yeah, that would be people calling Geralt Gerald or Jerry. People call him Visigoda Corvo, even mm -hmm. if that's the place he's from. And and Shoop. And that's that's just really? triggering me. I have well, quite a few. I have quite a few. <laughs> oh yeah, BJ, that's BJ because... said toss your coin to your Witcher. Exactly, that's another oh, thing. Oh god. That's uh, the new streamers, it. everyone's title, like Lionheart said the other day, is toss a coin to your Witcher. I think they're so uh, clever, but it's everyone's doing the same thing. But that's also how you know who is a new streamer. So that's always fun. So then you can visit their channel. But it's toss a coin to your witch as title. Okay, that's the first actually, thing they think of. Yeah, let's that's be honest. It's a catchy like, tune, yeah, but people just yeah. overplay it. It's oh, very in much. Every so. Witcher or can't overplay it. It's one of those one of those uh, treasures that will never be overplayed. Ugh. Tia, you really want to lose your job as a host. <laughs> um, you can overplay it, and people are doing it all the time. I remember when the show first uh, premiered, and uh, I was watching some some Gwent streams with with the song request. Like every second song request was one or or, or another version of Toss Your Coin to Your Witcher. Like, just that sounds awful. It does. I throw myself out the window. I just started muting. I just started muting streams. Like, uh, <laughs> just couldn't. Uh, no, not for me. Although that song had, did lead to uh, a strange interaction at my work, which is what I was going to discuss earlier. Yes, actually, um, I was walking. I was in a massive mail centre with lots and lots of people, and I sort of walked past a set of offices, and I heard someone humming, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and instantly it's in your head. And I popped my head around, went, "Oh, valley of plenty," and the guy just looked at me and went. Oh! 
you know. And so we started <laughs> discussing. And then there's this group of people coming to me going, oh, did you know it's a game? And I'm like, right, sit yourselves down. I'm going to tell you about this game. And we got into the discussions of the various things about how great the world is and the cast. And Yennefer came up in this. Um, and they were discussing how, you know, how much they loved Yennefer and how cool she was, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the guys said to me, oh, yeah, that girl's, that, that Yennefer girl's great. But I, I've seen a picture of this girl and she should have been Yennefer. Let me find you her picture. So he gets his phone out and he's Googling away. And he turns and he shows me his phone. It's Ash. <laughs> Genuine. And I was just like, okay, how do I deal with this? So do I say that I know her? No, that's going to come across. I just sort of smiled and went. She does look very much like Yennefer, yes. Did you really? I didn't say I knew you. I thought it would come across, yeah, of course you do. All right. If you're ever near here, I'm going to take you into my work and be like, oh, guys, by the way. Wow. That would be hilarious. Yeah, because you messaged me after that happened and I was just shocked. Like nothing like that's ever happened to me before. You're famous. Um, Yeah, I told Lionheart to make a screenshot of the podcast and show it to the person. I think yeah, they would, but I think they would just accuse him of, of, of photoshopping it. Yeah, Photoshop <laughs> skills. Like, no way Lionheart would sit anywhere near Ash and Tiak. No way. <laughs> no, not biting. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so mean. <laughs> we are, we are always very ones. mean to each other. I get used to it. Yeah. But basically, I'm English, that, I have to rein it in. That's, We're that's... often very mean to each other. If I'm in a room full of like just English people or English and Irish, and there's some other kind of countries that are the same, but we are just brutal. Like it's nonstop, just insulting. In, but that's what friends do. Um, but there are some cultures where that's not the case. So I always try and rein it in whenever I'm, you know, abroad or anything. Yeah, is but... that is that normal? Is that universal? <laughs> Yeah, I, it, I just get it. It is here. Yeah? Okay, good, good. It is here. I, um, not long ago, I was in Baby Joseph's stream, and uh, another Dutch viewer um, calls him um, what could be translated as old dick. And that's perfectly fine here. Like, friends call each other things like that all the time. Like, how are you doing, you old dick? It's it's completely okay. Yeah, we're, we are very similar, to be fair. The, I, I'm not going to say the ways I greet some of my friends, uh, but, but it's very similar. It's very similar. Um, another question that we really wanted to ask is, how does it feel? What, what is it like to be a host of the official tournament? Like we talk, we talk about it with Pavo, we talk about it with uh, um, casters, with players. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different experience because they are obviously are filling a different role like when you are a player you're just focusing on your matches and yeah. try not to get distracted by the whole atmosphere of the tournament but how 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 was it for you because when i first saw ash being back i was like oh yeah <laughs> okay first of all i was so shocked at how nice people were um because when i used to host the gwent slam tournaments um with life coach in in austria they were they were great fun i had like some of the best times of my life but the um twitch chat was pretty much unmoderated so it was quite bad it would always start off okay but then there'd be about five people who would sort of just take it down and like it would turn into a cesspool but um i learned from that just to never read anything online about you and your hosting because it's bad like even if there's 10 lovely things and there's one awful thing it'll kind of get stuck in your head but it's really yeah. hard to implement that. So 
because you always want to see what you know if you've done a good job so this time I broke my rule and I had a look to see what people were saying um, online and on Reddit and everyone was nice. I was so shocked. <laughs> I was sort of like, is this correct? <laughs> the, um, yeah, I was expecting, you know, at least some some crit criticism. Um, but no, it was actually really lovely. And I was sort of like, oh, wow, this is, I was unexpected. Um, yeah, so that that was really good. But in terms of the actual work, how it is on the day, weirdly I find it fine like I wasn't nervous at all this time and in the past I have been but I think it's because I've hosted um a fair bit sort of before this gig I mean working on Gwent Challenger was always like my life goal genuinely I was it was yeah one of the one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life quite frankly so having a lot of experience before that I felt like I was quite well prepared and also because I knew you know, so many of the the CD project um, staff that were there. I knew pretty much all of the players that were there because um, I, you know, worked with them on other tournaments and things like that. And I had known the other casters. I've known Jag since like early Gwent Slam days when we would be like on podcasts like this a couple of years ago. McBeard and Panda I've known for years. Flake I've watched since pretty much before he even started playing Gwent. I used to watch him play Hearthstone. So um, it really felt like I was sort of at home, I guess. Um, everyone's a friend and it's just um, very comfortable. So I was, yeah, quite at home there when I was hosting. One thing I was wondering about is when you are organizing essentially everything for a broader audience, there's always situations and jokes that are being thrown around with the audience never getting to see it. Do you have any 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 stories like that? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, go on. Um, uh... <laughs> okay, how do I tell this I without say. offending anyone? <laughs> no, it's not offending people. I just don't want to tarnish anyone's reputation. <laughs> oh. Use fake names if you have to. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess everything. the... Um, the Gwent Slams were the most insane, quite frankly. Um, we pretty much had like no sleep before any of the days hosting or casting because we were just partying in the night, quite frankly. Um, so, you know, we were there. We had a DJ that Life Coach would bring, um, loads of food. And then loads of Austrians would just show up, um, like friends of the technical guys and their friends because, hey, it's like a mansion with a pool. So there would just be kind of me the casters the players and then like 30 or 40 austrians that we didn't know which it, in a great way like we had a fantastic time and that would be the case pretty much every single evening so any gwent sam where you see me on like the second day i'm always running on no sleep and probably fairly hungover so um they were always quite exciting there were a couple of incidents which i won't go into too much detail about where um there were live streams people decided to live stream um, during these after party things and we had to pull the plug on those fairly quickly <laughs> um, oh, wow. but that yeah yeah I think yeah <laughs> that's all that's all um, nothing too wild nothing illegal I promise it's all above board just bad choices you know in terms of uh, being well rested and well fed and all the rest of it but yeah you know 
that was yeah. that was part and parcel of the sort of LAN experience of uh, Gwent Slams. The CD Project events are much more, you know, you don't want to mess up on an official broadcast, so everyone's a bit more sensible. I love oh, I love yeah. how Ash just told us everything, but essentially nothing at the same time. Very <laughs> it's it's an art. It's an yeah. art. It's it's what yeah. streamers do all the time because people think that if they watch a streamer, they know everything about them. Mm. They only know a one very specific side of their character. Mm. So sometimes people ask you questions and you want to give an answer because you don't want to be seen as rude. But then again, you don't really want to go into detail, so you just say a lot without saying anything. It's like a politician being a politician. Yeah. Yes. Very true. <laughs> like in a way you are a public figure. I don't I think it's so interesting. I think I've had this conversation before because these days it's like anyone can be and there's sort of a sliding scale because it's not like we have a clear definition of what counts as you know before we'd have normal people and celebrities and celebrities were made celebrities because they were you know published in newspapers or put on tv there was quite a high hurdle to jump to be known um these days it's kind of like anyone can do that and it's on a sliding scale so um i mean no one in the wider world has a clue who I am. um but if you know, I, I, I'm in a Gwent community, then most people kind of know each other or know somebody who knows somebody else. So um, I guess depending on sort of what circle you're in, then, then yeah. True. Yeah, it depends on the community, but within yeah. Gwent, you are definitely a celebrity. And also outside of Gwent, as, as the story Lionheart told us just shows. Though so I have to say it is a very interesting and nice feeling to be honest when you show up in somebody else's stream and they're like, oh, you are guys, you, you are these guys doing the podcast. Like mm. people know us. Wow. I never imagined that. Mm. Yeah, no, it's really cool. I think it, it's really nice because the Gwent community is kind of small in the grand scheme of things. So it's really quite easy to have that community feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and and to be honest, I don't think it would be possible in any other community to invite, you know, high and like very popular, very very, uh, like well known and, and light guests like, like you, like Pavo, like McBeard, to this kind of show when you are just a small time streamer, and with them saying sure, uh -uh. I'm gonna be there. It sounds like a nice idea. Like n no way I could do it in any other game. Because the community is usually just much larger and, you know, those bigger personalities are like, who is this guy even? I'm not even, I'm not even going to talk to them. I think that's something the Gwent devs have always been pretty good at. They, they really get stuck in, you know, for better or worse. I know in the early days, they actually decided to, you know, pull back on commenting on, on Reddit in particular. Um, but generally, I think that they do a pretty good job of getting stuck in and telling us as much as they're allowed to, you know, as much as they kind of can. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm actually surprised that you you as a player you're just able to talk to them all the time. Like you can send a yeah. message to 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 Buja or to Mateusz or to Austria, and they are likely to reply to you. Yeah. Even even though they can't tell you anything, they're gonna be like, "Well, because of these things, we are not allowed to talk about it." But they take the time to 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 write something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're a very close knit community, so it's. Also, it goes both ways, you know. If you tarnish your own your name, people will know about it. Like yeah. people in this chat are in the big streamers' chat, you know. So it's, it goes both ways in a good way, I think. I agree. 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And something I mentioned before is like, we were very excited to, to see you back as a host. You said that everyone was very positive, which makes a lot of sense. Do you have any leaks for us regarding your future <laughs> relationship with CDPR? Like, are you guys in talks of, of hosting maybe more tournaments in the future? Is there anything you can tell uh, us? Well, that's a good question. So I probably know as much as, as everyone else knows about this um, because officially I have not heard anything bar, um, I think it's actually my pinned tweet on my Twitter. I posted at the end of last year saying how hosting Gwent Challenger was like the highlight of my year. And underneath that, um, Bourgeois basically wrote, we should do this again sometime. So I think that that is pretty much all, I, that's all I know. And that's all that the community knows. So that's kind of public. I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting my hopes up over that. So, you know, hopefully there's a chance I'll be back. Um, but I was, I was saying this at Challenger at the time, how um, any host that we've had has never hosted twice. So I also don't want to, you know, get too excited just yet. But, um, you know, that, that was kind of said publicly. So infer from that what you will. But um, other than Flake coming back as a caster after hosting, no one's hosted twice, so um, yeah, don't want to get my hopes up too much, but I am. <laughs> I definitely like the strategy. I'm not sure if that was intended, but you said you, you, you tweeted something and you pinned that tweet. It kind of it kind of sounds like you are letting them know that you are interested, but totally not putting any pressure on them. I just casually <laughs> mentioned you guys. Yeah. That, that's what we do when we tweet anything about Jason Slama. Like, like totally not wanting you to be on the podcast. Like, there, there is no mention of that. No pressure, <laughs> but seriously, respond. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I did find that was quite interesting um, in the in the feedback I got was, this is something I, I've known all along, and I'm sure you guys have known all along, but the Gwent community is very um, loyal, I guess, to people who've been there from the beginning. So um, obviously Flake and Ash Lizzle were, you know, veterans of the game as well. Um, but I think that the community responded so well to me, um, partly because, you know, I, I have been in the game for a long time and, and genuinely care about it, which I thought was very interesting because we had some huge, huge names hosting previous events. Um, but it was interesting that that wasn't received possibly as well by the community as you would have thought because you know it is such a close-knit community people are incredibly loyal in oh yeah mm -hmm. that, that, that is very true there is something I, I i'm not sure if i should say this so but <laughs> let, let, let's do it like we, we, okay. we we've been throwing memes around already so let's do it i was in somebody's stream i'm not gonna mention their name and they were about to host somebody and they saw you online so like oh let's host ash she's everyone's waifu I absolutely love that. That's then. hilarious. Oh my gosh. That's really funny. Um, I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> it wasn't a question. It was, it was, was more like a, like a story of, oh, of something I, I, I experienced in another stream. That's oh, really No, chat, it was not me to clarify. It was not Lionheart. I can, I can clarify just, it was not Lionheart. I know, I'm surprised myself, but it wasn't him. That's really funny. I can I can actually hazard a guess at who it was because I only get hosts from like a handful of people, really, regularly. So uh, I Some, don't know. But... Somebody's getting in trouble, guys. <laughs> um, no, that's exciting. Thank you. Um, Lionheart. <laughs> no. Questions from the community. 
Ah, oh, well, there, was, there is a question that is entirely un-Gwent related. Is Lydia still alive, Ash? Oh my gosh, who asked that? Uh, it was Weevil He's... a while ago, but honestly, oh. I'm curious. <laughs> Lydia, right, okay. So, look, I didn't kill Lydia. Can I put that out there first? <laughs> she disappeared. Disclaimer. Who is Lydia? She's like your um, your follower kind of helper person in Skyrim and carries all your stuff. Oh, Lydia, yeah. yes. She's the worst. What happened to Lydia? <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know. She was with me. I do have a habit of not being able to differentiate her from the enemy sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I don't explicitly remember seeing her dying. So I'm not taking the responsibility for it. That's all I'm going to say. I have to talk to my lawyers about this. Lionheart, <laughs> uh, uh, anything, anything else we have from the community? Uh, nothing that I can safely ask, but guys, now is the time to ask if you have any questions that do not involve me. Um, I'll I'll uh, give the questions that Lionheart has so uh, nonchalantly skipped. Ash, oh, no. uh, they want to know uh, how do you feel about associating with Ron Weasley? Um... No, no. <laughs> I was so confused there. It took me a long time to. Oh no! Figure out what was meant by that. Actually, giving Voldy a forum. Do not oh, give Voldemort a platform. No. <laughs> uh, apparently, I look like a lot of people. There's, denu- there's, there's genuinely a doppel gingers command in my chat now. Not kidding. Prince Harry, one of them. Yeah. Yes. That's regularly. I regularly get Prince Harry. My chat get call me Ron Weasley a lot. Multiple East Enders actors. It seems serial killers. You name it. Apparently, I look like them. So yes, that's that's the one. Not apparently, you look like them. I mean, it's literally Ron Weasley look-alike there. Wow. Charming. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would rephrase I that question. Decision, yeah. I would rephrase that question because it's a meme and I know that Lionheart is not too fond of it. And I know that Thea is very casually playing along. But yes. is, is it somewhat well, disturbing, reason. Ash, to, to, to hear that this kind of stories, like people memeing about Lionheart Oh, it's absolutely being... hilarious. Do you know why? Because I don't even know the half of mine and Lionheart's relationship. Oh, I can't believe you just did this. <laughs> We've known each other oh, for literally it's been so long. And everyone, I don't know, I guess most people think that we know each other from Gwent, but or, yeah, they don't even know the half of it. <laughs> I hope chat is, is making this. Yeah, I hope, oh. I hope chat is satisfied now. I am so gonna get you for this. <laughs> <sighs> okay, guys, there is some. I, I was not going to say it, but before before the stream, um, we are actually talking about this, and, and Lionheart was saying, kind of warning Ash that the community somewhat believes that that Lionheart is in love with Ash, and Ash said, "Of course you Hang are." On, we said we weren't gonna do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. what is guys, I'm going through a tunnel. Bye. <laughs> No, carry on. It's fine. We like, I, I, I feel like uh, Lionheart is, think- is thinking that surgery could not come soon enough. Oh, kill me now. Kill me. Yeah, yeah, th- this one is a genuine blush, by the way, guys. Although, can I point... You know what? No, it's safe. It's fine. Thanks yeah. for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just the, the hue from the, the yellow paint. Yeah, that was my initial excuse, but now, no, now it's genuine blush. I, I can't believe you're all doing this to me. I thought this was going to be a nice professional broadcast where we ignored chat. No, no, this is this is throw Lionheart under the bus for apparently being in love with uh, multiple people. Something well, to be ashamed of. Actually, I've made that. I have actually made that argument. The idea that anyone would be in love with either of you and being ashamed for it is kind of ridiculous, but nonetheless. 
Like I have to say, the idea of this show and and having both uh, Thea and Ash on the podcast was quite exciting. (laughs) And the first reaction of Lionheart was like, "I'm I'm gonna be sick that day." I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm working. I'm not gonna be there. BJ has to do it for me. This is like the Raj Patel show. This is really (laughs) going downhill very fast. (laughs) Yep. Keep digging. (laughs) We are not gonna keep digging Uh, anymore serious questions for for our guests because we already crossed the two hour mark and i feel like we we can just spur lionheart some more grief so guys any any more serious questions because if not then we're gonna go to the uh plug segment of the podcast the what segment the segment where you were about to sell out yourself yeah nice and advertised oh plug plug section oh Okay. <laughs> what do we hope to get from upcoming patches this year? Crozier asked. Mm, that's a good one. I'd just like to see more regularity. Um, I don't mind. I'd like to see a similar schedule for patches in terms of content patches that we've got for the, the um, competitive tournaments. I'd like to know that we're going to get one every four, five, six weeks, whatever it is, rather than just hoping we're going to get one. Um, that would be interesting. Normally, I would say, oh, I want to see more, more balance, but we already had the ultimate balance a couple of patches ago, and it was not enjoyable at all. Yeah, people say we don't actually want balance. We keep off. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking as well. Like, what do people want? <laughs> they don't, don't know what they want. Yeah. You know, Reddit, Reddit is like a high school girl. They they change their opinion every single day. You just log in in the morning, you don't know what it's going to be. I understand. There's a need for, like, um, change and, you know, constantly having kind of fresh things to do so it doesn't feel stale. But trying to keep that balance, too, is going to be hard. So I think people need to, uh, yeah, sort of come to terms with the fact that if you want constant change, there's going to be rebalancing and therefore that con you know, OP or too weak. And that kind of comes with, you know, constant changes. That's part of the fun though, isn't it? Rediscovering what that means. I completely yeah. agree. Mm. Without it, it would be exactly what we had. Repeated, stale, balance. Yeah. I think that under the word balance, people just mean, I want the game to be good and interesting. Mm. I think they want everything to be feasible. That's okay. Like nothing to be unplayable. Yeah. No, that one's okay. Uh, Voldemar has actually asked a valid question. I may faint. Um, Arena arena rework suggestions, because Arena in Gwent is the most pointless thing right now. It's not fun. It's very arbitrary and it doesn't work. How does anybody have any idea what we'd like to see? Do you guys have any suggestions on that? First of all, I would like to see Arena giving you uh, daily crowns. Completely agree. Yes. Like, there is is no reason why that's not the case. I understand why it wasn't the case back in beta, because Arena was very generous and crowns were giving you um, in-game currency. Now crowns give you Mm. something else, so maybe they should look into it. Yeah. 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 It's so easy for me to play it when I can play ranked, you know, which will actually get me somewhere. I mean, unless you're hopelessly far behind and you decide just to play Arena for the rest of the season, but other than that, it's 
there's not a lot of incentive going on there. True. Yeah. Crows has just suggested uh, monthly arena leaderboard or king of arena or something for that. That's a great. Nice. Love that idea. Most victories yes. in arena in a single season or most nine nils or whatever. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. That could Interesting. be good. Yeah, definitely. We need more competition. Yeah, I see another That's question from Hamzanovsky. Uh, you see a lot of Gwent players switching to Legends of Runeterra. Do you think Gwent still has the ability to attract card players? I'm gonna start with Ash. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the launch of anything is going to attract people. So the same with Artifact. It just siphoned loads of people initially. So, you know, Legends of Runeterra, it's gonna be taking you know, people in, in the beginning, um, but whether it's a, a good game is, and a healthy game is really going to determine whether they stay. Um, Gwent doesn't have that sort of launch um, impetus anymore because it launched a long time ago in sort of a slow fashion, if you know what I mean. It wasn't a huge yeah. um, initial push for the game that we have today. So I think that that ship has probably sailed Um but there are other opportunities which definitely could be um, utilized within Gwent. So obviously World Masters, like properly marketing that, coupled with the success of the Witcher series um, and the Android release, that's going to be a huge thing. Um, but I think that comparing it to what Runeterra is doing right now, I think Gwent's kind of uh, missed the, the boat on that one. Yeah, I think if you somehow i don't want to say official but it was a sort of launch push was the open beta because there's a lot of marketing around that uh a lot of people got invited um a lot of people heard about Gwent for the first time back then and then we had midwinter then we had the whole homecoming thing so yeah the the initial hype around Gwent kind of died off yeah i think the best thing Gwent could do though was just to try and maintain as healthy of a game as possible to retain people that it already has um and then you know people will probably come in slowly over time if the game's in a good state and stay but um, yeah. yeah it's just a, i think retention and and slow stable growth based on a healthy game is the best thing gwent can do yeah yeah i uh, crosser says also we need the netflix witcher to mention gwent we need gwent yes. to somehow uh, jump on that bad bandwagon. They didn't. Do, they didn't yeah. do anything really. The only problem no. is that Gwent is like a CD project IP, got nothing mm. to do with the the books. No, Gwent should yeah, sponsor. Do something that's completely. I sure. actually wrote the books. Mm. I think I think that is how. Oh, Just add gone. things like that. Yeah. Uh, again, I can hear me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're okay now. Crosser is right. Um, it is mentioned in the books once. There's a scene oh, where, yeah. where a couple of dwarves are, are, are playing Gwent. Yopin we don't really know the... what that is. Like there is, it, It's only said there's a lot of violence following yeah. those games because they always have sticks and weapons just ready to strike their opponent. There's a lot of shouting, but we don't know what the game actually yeah, yeah. includes. It's when all the dwarves is, is like sitting down on some barrels just having a break and they're playing Gwent. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, I think the only way that that um, interest from the show could be funneled to Gwent would be via the Witcher game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we actually need a new Witcher game to make Gwent great again. 
<laughs> in a way, we do. Pushing chats. That's um, we we did actually hear from one of the makers. He did say that they will won't be in, it will be in the same universe, but it won't be The Witcher Four. It will be a totally different uh, way of doing things. So I think that will be possibly two years at least after Cyberpunk's yeah. Cyberpunk's release. I think um, and it will obviously be big, but I, I don't think we can count on that happening anytime soon. Yeah, I also don't think Gwent will be in it, but it depends on how well Gwent's still doing at that yeah. point. They don't tend to keep so the same minigames. Yeah. Imagine having Gwent with a system that is connected to the internet that constantly updates so that the, the cards you play in the game, or you just instantly connect to the real Gwent game. So the progress you make in the game is actually against other players currently playing Gwent. Imagine something like that. Not I actually have that exact same thought. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> turn, it, turn it into Yu-Gi-Oh. Be amazing. I want them to spawn in front of me. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It would be good. Yeah. Like okay. logging into the Witcher universe before you're allowed to play Gwen, actually traveling to a different town. Oh. I think that would be cool. But anyway. Sold. Okay, guys. I think, I think uh, we exhausted the topics for today so now is your moment to shine now is your moment to promote your stream if you feel the need to and we are obviously going to start with our guest ash where can people find you um so as i mentioned i'm not in my normal location right now um because i just moved house on the weekend so i am currently setting up my stream it looks really good i just uh i need to connect it to the internet so once that happens um i'll be back streaming so hopefully that will be around next week and i'm on twitch.tv forward slash ash explores um and i'm also on twitter and instagram at ash explores and ash cosplay on instagram yeah i think the the name change is very confusing for some people yeah I mean, it, I had to because I wasn't uh, cosplaying for a long period of time there, so it made more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thea. Yes. All right. Well, yeah, you can also just find me at Tia Beastie on Twitch. Once the cables are fixed in the ocean, I will be back, even that if that's in a month or two weeks, who knows. Um, all my details are there. And if I do manage to get onto Survivor South Africa, you can stream that on show. Let's keep our fingers crossed. We don't know yet. And thanks for watching. Lionheart, my dear friend, my good man. Well, this has been an experience, guys, and I can't wait for my next stream where I get multiple clips of this continually posted to me. I love you all. <laughs> um, you can find me at forward slash Lionheart on Twitch, Lionheart underscore underscore on Twitter. Uh, I will be out of the world after next Thursday for a little while, but I will be posting sort of post-op updates uh, from the delights of my hospital bed uh, on Twitter. So if you're interested, please follow there. I will be having quite a few streams in the next week in preparation because as promised, I will finish Star Wars. Probably tomorrow we will play until it's complete. Um, as, as much as it pains me to admit, I'm now kind of in love with the game and it hurts. Um, so I want to get that finished. I will do that. There'll be some more Gwent maybe even this evening. So yeah, I will be around for a little while. I will be back as soon as possible. And yes, feel free to check me out. Thanks for watching us, guys. Okay, guys, if you want to find me, you don't really have to look very far because you are on my channel. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say, if you want to get notified whenever the podcast is live or whenever I'm live, you can just follow here on Twitch. And if you want to uh, stay in touch also off stream, uh, follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. 
Um, if you want to get access to early announcements and probably some more perks in the future, you can join our Discord. And this episode and all the previous episodes uh, are available on our YouTube channel, Merchants of Novigrad. The links should be in the chat. So once again, uh, Ash, thanks for being here. Really, really appreciate uh, you being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really good fun. And Lionheart and Thea, thanks for uh, helping preparing this episode and for hosting it in such a nice and professional fashion. It was um, an experience. Guys, we are going to raid somebody in a moment. It should be Villa if he's stream, but I'm not. I'm actually not sure. But once again, thanks for watching. Thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for being here. Uh, as I said, the episode is going to be available on YouTube in a couple of hours. And the next episode of the podcast is in two weeks. And I can tell you that our very likely guest is in the chat right now. So you may, uh, you may try to figure out who that is. So once again, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. We'll, we will see you later.